So it's just like, when you look at that and you're like, man, then you look at poker and you look at that. I'm like, well, then I look at like UFC and I look at poker. I'm like, oh, and I look at other esports I researched as well. And I'm like, fuck, you know, like there, there are all these like media outlets in all these other things that don't exist in my industry. And I'm like, well, do I create one of these? Hi, it's Ranchix. Welcome to my podcast. The following is my conversation with Joey Ingram, a fellow poker player and content creator. For most of you, this man doesn't require an introduction. We get a chance to discuss what's going on in the poker industry, what's the outlook in our opinion, what are some of the projects that Joey is working on. We also get into personal stuff like how we feel about being poker players, the beauty of it and the hardships, working on side projects, how we manage or fail to manage our time and what are some of the struggles each of us is going through. I'm sure many of you can relate to some of these stories. You can find timestamps in the description. It makes it easier for you to jump around the topics and subscribe, like, and share. It helps, it really does, so go ahead and please do it now. And finally, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Joey Ingram. So great to have you on. Thank you for making the time, man. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy to be here. All right, awesome. New year, new start. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. There are so many things I want to cover with you because obviously, you know, you've been around the poker scene, around the content scene for such a long time. So you have quite a trail behind you of things you did and things that uh, people know about you. Um, I think the most natural is to let's just start from a sort of beginning, your journey of how you got to this point. And I think we'll just segue from there in many, many directions. Sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. What, what would you like to know first? Well, I guess uh, let's start with how did you get into poker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretty much got into poker. Uh, you know, I think about these things a lot. I think of trying to trace my own history, my own story in terms of uh, where I've come from. And I think I got into poker with my ex-boss who I would work for when I was like 15 or something like that or 14. He would sell things online and I would help him list it and I'd go pick up the things and it was, it was a big kind of sales related job or sales related thing. And, uh, yeah, so he had a poker game at the house. I played with them. I used to go to like a home game with a bunch of different friends or a bunch of random people. I didn't even know it was like $10, $20, which was pretty popular back in the, that time. And, uh, yeah, I just did that ESPN started picking it up as well too. So this is probably like uh, 2003, 2004. So ESPN started picking it up and eventually I found out about online poker and I, I didn't really know much. I didn't really know much about it. I didn't know much how to play. I didn't have much money. So I put $200 online and, you know, you play one, two and you lose your one, two and you kind of do that a bunch of times. Sometimes you run it up. Other times you go broke because you just keep moving up stakes. And so I did that until, uh, did that until I started playing on poker stars. And, and maybe after a few years, maybe like 2007 or something like that, I joined two plus two, the poker forums. And, uh, they started, I joined the micro stakes forum on there. Just start talking to people and, and realize like their idea of bankroll management and that you should take your money and you shouldn't play all at the same time, right? So if you had 200 bucks, shouldn't be $200 on one table, you should take it to like five cent, 10 cent. So once I took it to five cent, 10 cent and 10 cent, 25 cent is when I was able to start getting better at least, make a, a little bit of money and eventually was able to quit my job I had as a server and start grinding poker every hour of the day. And I basically uh, stopped living. I stopped living the life I lived before. You know, I had a friend, mm-hmm. had some friends. I had, um, you know, I was dating people and stuff like that. But I kind of just dedicated myself to poker. You know, I was still kind of dating. And I was big into working out before. I was like obsessed with working out. 
kind of put that on the side and uh, just did enough to maintain. But yeah, that was sort of how I got started playing on uh, playing on poker stars, but more so like trying to trying to win some money at the game. Mm. Did it feel like a big decision at the time? Like, did you feel that you're committing to a sort of career which was back then and still even to this day? To be honest, it's not a conventional career. A lot, you know, a lot of um, baggage comes with that sort of. Right. So yeah, I didn't mean I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I was just like, uh, you know, I made a thousand dollars, and there was a lot of young guys from America that were doing it at the time that you mm -hmm. could look at, like Tom Dwan or David Benefield. You kind of see these guys posted on the poker forums, and they were basically the same age as you. They they seem to be kind of degenerates, right? Like acting crazy, kind of memeing and making jokes, stuff like that. I was like, oh well, it sounds like sounds like something I could do. So yeah, I just. Uh, you know, I never really had, you know, a lot of money growing up in terms of that. Like I was never kind of uh, really even thinking about that kind of stuff. So the idea of making a living or getting a job, you know, I just re never was really sure what I was going to do. So when I found poker and I made that first thousand dollars and I saw other people made a lot of money, I was like, well, let me dedicate myself to this and let me try to make this work because what other, what, what else do I have really going on for myself? Hmm. How were the first... I'm, I want to say first few months in terms of your schedule and stuff. Did you just dive into it like, like a lot of people do, like myself, basically? And I dived into it back in the day of just I don't know, fourteen hour, sixteen hour, consumed by the game. Yeah, that's what I did. Way. Same thing. I was yeah. all every day, hour I was awake. Basically, I played poker, watched poker, talked with friends about poker, just watched a lot of content, would listen to interviews. I think like Bart Hans would do interviews back at the time. And I was just basically all in on content and, and all in on playing and, and all in on thinking about it. So that was really all I did for the foreseeable future, basically. Mm. What were some of the bigger turning points sort of uh, from that period? When, when did you feel like, you know what, actually, it can be something, can be something big? Uh, I thought that like right away, once when I made a thousand dollars and and I just right. saw like there was a trajectory to get there, there's other people doing it. So I just felt like, you know, I, that's what I always aspired to be like, I just aspired to kind of get to high stakes and, um, you know, kind of run up that score. It wasn't really about making money or anything like that. It was just like, you know, you could pay, I could pay the rent, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I could pay my rent and that's, that's all I was kind of thinking about at the time. So I wasn't thinking about doing anything else or really, I just kind of played poker, tried to grind it up. I would take shot, take very, 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 very aggressively, move back down, grind long sessions all day long, go back up, go back down. You know, I kept doing, I was just irresponsible shot taker. I'd try to mass table, you know, I'd go mm -hmm. play three, six, play every three, six table. That was running when I'm like a 50 cent dollar player and uh, no game selection at all. I didn't ever game selected for the first, like maybe a few years of my career. And, uh, yeah, man, I just, you know, I just played. I just kind of got after it. And that's all I thought about. I didn't really know the right way to do it. I just knew that if I put in the hours and time that I'd be able to keep building up that bankroll. Mm. It was about 2007, but you also started your YouTube channel around the same time, right? Yeah, I early. think I made like a, a video in 2008, one of my prop bets. So like I did a few of these prop bet challenges where... Uh, you know, I try to set like records. I try to play the most hands in a day. I played the most hands in a month for the 600,000 hands for Nolan Hold'em. So I did that in 2008. And then I uh, did 50,000 hands in 2009. And I sort of made like a funny video where it was me in my apartment in San Diego with uh, my roommate shot it, my roommate Chris. And then one of the, the girl that lived next door was like the massage girl in it. And 
you know, she was like giving me a massage and I was just kind of joking around and trolling, mm-hmm. being real sarcastic about things. And uh, yeah, I was being real sarcastic about things. So it was fun. I had a good time. It was like inspired by someone else I saw make a video like that. And uh, yeah, that was basically the start of the YouTube channel was when I set that record for the 50,000 hands. When I made the video before, I made a video during, and then I made a video after. So it was kind of funny. Right. It's funny to look back on. And, you know, it was funny at the time to do too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best. Because when you're doing it just because you're enjoying the process and, uh, and then the results as well, it's pretty sweet. So it was basically, you just kind of stumbled into it, I guess. Right, because you yeah, thought definitely. like, oh, it's a cool idea. Somebody else is doing it. I might try it. Sounds good. Sounds like a big challenge. And by the way, what the hell, man? Fifty thousand hands in one day. What were you thinking? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just I, I made a I made a prop bet. I think I got like three to one. I always knew. I think. Oh no! What happened was uh, a nerpsy. A nerps. They said a nerpsy had like he played the most hands. He said he played like thirty-seven thousand hands in a session. I was like, I literally played a session more than that last week. Like I played 40 mm. some thousand, right? So I was like, all right, well, now I got to do this shit again because I don't want this guy saying this guy's got a record. Like he was poker star saying this guy's got a record. I was like, you know, I don't think so. So I just made a prop bet. I think I got like two and a half to one or three to one. I had to be profit and play 50,000 hands in a day. So I did it, but I did small stakes, 10 cents, 25 cents, you know, still so challenging to do at any stake. But I was like a 50 cent dollar regular at that point in time. So I could beat 10 cents, 25 cents for, for a pretty good clip at full ring. I never really played much six max because it is at six max because I get more hands an hour. And I really just started playing six max. I was mainly a full ring player at the time. And yeah, I did it. Made like 40 some buy-ins playing it. Made a bunch of money on the side and uh, proceeded to take that money to higher stakes, of course, right away. (laughs) Oh Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was like 2009. And then uh, I don't know if it was 08 or 09 is when I met Doug Polk. And Doug Polk was a guy like staked me for one, two, and I was playing 50 cent dollar. Actually, I think it was 2008. And he basically like uh, taught me to be way more aggressive, which I, you know, I think I was conservative to start off. And then after I met Doug, I started loosening up quite a bit because he suggested that you raise a lot of buttons. And I just thought that meant raise every button. So <laughs> I just turned up the heat, raised a lot of buttons, got real, real, real comfortable playing wide ranges. And uh, that would certainly lead me to help me out a lot with Palom and Omaha, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I want to go with this because there's two directions, like your trajectory of poker, because obviously 2009, 2009, it's just the beginning. And at the same time, that's the starting point of your channel, which is now this huge thing, right? You, you're, you are one of the biggest channels in the poker world, uh, one of the most love-hate relationship, I think, with the, with the audience. A lot of people absolutely love you. And some mm-hmm. people, as always, you know, we know <laughs> those people also exist. But how did that happen? Because to get to the point where your channel is right now, that's an insane amount of work, a lot of dedication. Because sure, you can do it, you know, occasionally, just, oh, I just want to play 50,000 hands, I'm going to record a video. But to produce content on a regular basis, to find ideas, it's a lot of work. Um, so how did this happen? Uh, I pretty much, I was always did like updated videos. So I got to do blogs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I always, uh, I always wanted to start something where I would like talk about what's happening in poker. And when I was, uh, you know, I had like an idea of like a website that I came up with before. And then, um, I don't know when I started like 2014 or 2015 or something like that. I was basically just bored and 
I had free time and I was like, oh, what should I do? And I thought, well, why don't I start talking about, um, you know, why don't I start talking about like what's happening in the high stakes PLO world? So I just started making videos on some of the hands that were going down. And then I ended up getting, um, cause I knew all the guys from the community post on two plus two all the time. And, and, um, and I played a lot in those games. So I was just familiar with a lot of players and, uh, talk with someone like Skype and stuff like that. And then the, the, the two plus two high stakes PLO tour as well. So KR Mont, Kyra Montgomery, who was like a real crazy player at the 1020 games at this point in time, he watched it and he was like, oh, I'll come on there and talk with you if you want. And I was like, oh, it's cool. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. So he came on there and then I was like, oh, it was really interesting. It was kind of more fun than just like talking about the hands. So then I got on uh, Doug Polk, who was one of my good friends at the time. And I said, oh, like, Doug, like, I think the people's perception of you is like wrong. Uh, I think like they don't know a lot about your poker career and your poker acumen and, and I think they would like you if me and you just talked and, and you know what I'm saying? So I had him on and then I started doing podcasts. Since I knew people in PLO, I just started having those guys on. And then eventually I said, well, maybe I should get some guests that are outside of PLO on too. So I just kind of went to the people that I, I, you know, Bart Hansen was one of the first people on. I really loved his podcast. So I reached out to him and then really just kind of went from there, man. You know, it was never like, I never intended to, to where I'm at now. You know what I'm saying? I never, I never intended this to be this way. And, uh, like a channel, a big channel. Like I never really was about subscribers. I was never really about viewers. I wasn't about, you know, making this like a business or making money from it or, or really anything like that. It just, it really ended up here accidentally. And I always, you know, obviously I, I had, I got a lot of ideas for contents and I just think about ideas all the time. And, um, you know, I love talking, I love having conversations with people, especially where we get deeper in things. So I, I don't know, man, it wasn't like, it wasn't anything strategic, really. It didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think this could be any. I didn't, there was, when I started doing this, like there was no, the concept of making money from your content, from your audience was like really looked down upon. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to really be one of those people that does this. I want to do it for like the pure fun of it. I don't want to do it because like it's, it's about making money out of it too. But nowadays that's like the standard thing. And it's very normal for people to build up these personal brands and then to create courses and create content and sell things and partner up with companies and all these kind of things are just now normal and they're like accepted and they're like, yeah, that's how people make a living out there these days. So it's very strange how that happened. And uh, when before it was one way and now like everyone's got a course, everyone's selling something, everyone's got products they're doing. Mm. So now I'm like, oh, well, I mean, that makes sense. I see why people would do that, especially once they have attention, but yeah, kind of just ended up here, man. And uh, never planned it, never thought it would be here. And and here I am. Yeah. And also, like, if you think about it in the beginning, how all that um, sort of bad view of people making the money uh, with content, it was always associated with like, hey, why are you teaching other people how to play poker? Right. There was this sort of stigma around, uh, oh, you go into coaching. This is so bad. Um, and then obviously all the other things. Or you just, you know, who are you to talk strategy? You don't know shit. Uh, you're making videos, et cetera, et cetera. You know, which is still to this day, I mean, <laughs> still present. But mm-hmm. um, that's obviously changing. How do you think that during this time? Because you know what? I actually want to say something. Because when you covered... Because that's something I, I was thinking about today. Uh, 
just thinking about the content that you're doing. And I was thinking like, okay, so Joe Ingram, I've heard how much coverage you did about the Apostle story. Mm-hmm. And everybody heard about that story. I've heard about the bots on ACR. And everybody heard about the bots on ACR. And then I started thinking, how many stories are out there currently and before which sort of pop up on 2 plus 2, have a bit of coverage, and they just sort of dwindle away. And nobody hears about them. There's no big deal. And it's just what you do with sort of putting your finger on these stories and, and um, bringing them to the public, it's so important Yeah, in a way. Because... I mean, sure, with the Apostle story, if you wouldn't have made the coverage, I mean, there's probably a shitload of other people who would love to do the coverage, and, and they did, in fact, right? Because that was a huge story. But so many of the stories that you cover, so many of the investigations sort of that, that you get into, just like a, a beautiful service to the poker community. And it's, and it's so important that this is happening. Yeah, and so I can see it in some ways. I mean, I can see it the other side of that, too, where it's, it hurts the game as well because... You know, you talk about some of the things that are happening out there, and then obviously that might that might turn a lot of people off from the game, and it might bring make the community look negative. And and I think that there's a lot of real positive things and positive stories and people that are impacted positively and that really enjoy the game of poker and and they use it as a great way to do something fun with their life, right? Get a rush, get an adventure, get away from their family, like maybe make some extra money, maybe 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 just have a hobby, maybe meet people that they spend time with that are their best friends. So. So really only focus on the more like, you know, negative stories or scandalous stories like those ones. I just, uh, I really had a, I really had a, I took a time off and I thought more about that because, you know, it's kind of sad just that those are the stories that get the most traction and, uh, you know, yeah, it's interesting. So that's mm-hmm. a sort of human nature, I suppose, because, well, to hear the bad stuff is just more intriguing and it's get, getting more shares and likes and everybody wants to talk about it. Like, what, what are, what's the good stuff that we can talk about? Oh, he won the main event. Well, amazing. End of story, right? But somebody cheated somebody. Well, that's, that's a story. That's interesting. It's unfortunate. But also you mentioned... That yeah, well, I, th- I do think you can turn some of these positive stories into... You can turn some of them into things that people really want to see as well too. So oh, yeah, I think that course. for me, it just made me sort of reframe the way I may have thought about my own content and what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to cover and, uh, you know, sort of how I wanted to, to tell the stories out there and what stories I wanted to find and what stories I wanted to tell and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of how I wanted to get involved in that side of things. Or I mean, what I, what I enjoyed about the content world and that side of things. Right. Right. And one thing you just mentioned was that you have mixed feelings about bringing these stories out there because they might, um, scare some people away from poker in a way and put a bad light on poker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while that's true, I get a feeling that if we don't expose those, like if you have knowledge of some story and you don't talk about it and you choose to sort of keep silent, I mean, it's bound to come out at some point. And it's just better to bring it out and have a discussion about it uh, instead of just sort of putting it under the rug and pretending nothing is happening. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of stories that don't come out. Like there's a lot of things that are talked about or that I'm asked about or that I'm given information on or say, do you want to look into this or look into that? But I'd be spending all my time looking into things like that. So I just mm-hmm. always realize there's two sides of the story. So do I want to spend my time diving deep into 
all these kind of issues like that? Or, or what do I want to do? How do I want to handle it? Because I thought about how I handled those things in the past and, you know, they were very public and they could have been handled privately in some manner, of course. And, um, yeah, man, it's something I think about a lot now because I, I, I try to help people out with their problems they have now and, and talk to people behind the scenes more. And, you know, of course, that could be made into a story where people get upset or that could be made into a story where people are, are you know, have opinions on, they share opinions, people talk about it. So, yeah, I mean, I think about that a lot because there's, there's you know, there's always things you could dive deep on or you could, you could talk more about that I think people would find interesting, positive and negative too. Mm. So I, I guess... Since I took a long break, I've just been doing these Doug Polk versus Dan Negreanu live streams as well, which is more just like commentating on the actual game of poker and not necessarily talking about the things that are happening in poker in terms of news or in terms of, uh, you know, at the end of gameplay or even talking about where my gameplay is or talking about, um, you know, what I've been doing. So I've just kind of been focused on that format right now. Mm. This is a great format, by the way. What do you think about these challenges? Because obviously we have, we've got the... Um, Galfon challenge going on. We have the Polk Negrano challenge. We've got a couple more coming up. There's uh, there's going to be some big games in uh, in summer, I guess, if if they agreed the terms. Um, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, I think that they're great, and I think that um, I'm surprised. I guess I'm surprised. Like I'm surprised that like you know you got like a Galfon challenge going on and. Um, you know, just like the interest level appears to be low on that. And it makes sense. You know, it's like, there's no whole cards. It's a niche game, you know, chance they don't know much about, which is one of the reasons why I made a video I made and posted mm -hmm. that today about him trying to give me some exposure. And I guess it's like on me to help those people get exposure. Really? Like I look around the poker world, man, I see a lot of fucking issues. I see a lot of problems and I'm like, where do I start? You know, am I trying to talk about the auto line activity happening? Am I trying to get in touch with, regulators to try to uh you know make act poker more accessible in america do i try to work with phil galfond on run at once and help those guys out do i try to do podcasts do i try to be a popular american poker player to help spread the game of poker in america like do i worry about myself and maybe do something else like you know, so I'm real conflicted, I guess, on a lot of these things because I sort of see a lot of the issue. I've just studied this shit so fucking much that, and I've just thought about this for years. I'm like, you know, I see the trajectory things are going. I see the trends and the way things are going. I see the trajectory and trends of other industries in America, especially. And um, I guess that's what I've been just thinking about. Where do I start? What do I do? How do I make an impact here? How can I right? Like, but I can only do so much. And a lot of these big brands are the companies that ultimately have to lead the way. And, you know, you got World Series of Poker, they don't really care what's happening. Uh, poker Go is trying to do some stuff, but, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling to pick up some momentum in America, at least I feel like. And, uh, you know, so I, I think that's just, that's just really, you know, I see other industries and I see how much support they get from the companies that, 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 are able to have that network and have those relationships and have that budget and have those opportunities to be able to put on these events that, that generate interest and, and, and hype for everyone else in the community. And, you know, those guys just seem to be, you know, whatever, and uh, trying a little bit or just, I don't know, can't put it together. You know, poker Go is making some improvements, but they still got some work to do. I feel like, and uh, you know, GG poker's coming in They're They're starting to do a lot of things. So you know, we might not agree with some things GG Poker's doing, but at least they're trying on that side of things. And 
you got these great vloggers that are putting up vlogs and that's growing in popularity. So it just kind of feels like the state of American poker and sort of like, you know, where it was before is changing a lot. And um, it's just interesting to see. I'm, I'm very curious to see like what direction it goes. Mm-hmm. It's not about like who's good at the game anymore. You know, it's more like who who's who's playing the game, right? Who are the people that are at least showing the game? So who's trying to get themselves out there? There's really no way for a poker player to get themselves out there unless they create a content about themselves. So mm-hmm. just interesting to see exactly what's going to take place and what's going to happen here. What are the biggest issues, do you think, that the poker industry is facing right now? Yeah, I mean, probably the... Again, it's in America. It seems like it's just uh, where to play, and um, you know, like just where to play. Really, like how, how do how do you how do you get on a game? Like, there's so much confusion. There's illegal. There's legal. There's apps. There's ACR. There's there's global. Like, there's just like there's no way for many people to even understand where to play, and there really are no like popular ambassadors of American poker sites who are out there spreading the word. You know, like. Daniel's playing on WSOP now, but he's more of a GG ambassador. And even then, you know, you can only play in two states. So it's like, you can't really play. So I think that, and I also think that the big companies who have that reach to expand the game of poker aren't able to figure out how to do that. And maybe, you know, maybe there's a good reason why behind that too. But it just seems like, you know, everything's sort of been the same for a long time and there really hasn't been much innovation on things. And, you know, once again, GG Poker, they're kind of come along and doing some things like that. So, but they're a brand new company, maybe in a few years, they'll, they'll be able to be something. So I see that and, and just the legality and the regulation to things. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, these application companies are making a lot of money the game hosts are making a lot of money. The rakes is, the rake is very high, you know, who knows if these players are you know, what kind of experience they're getting on there. So just everything's real fragmented right now. And yeah, it's just uh, a little different than, than I guess it used to be, or maybe it used to be in my mind. Maybe it was always this way, but my perception of it was very skewed because of how focused I was on it. Mm. No, I do think I agree with you that where to play. Well, it wasn't the problem before, was it? Right. There were, well, we had full tilt poker, we had poker stars, we had all sorts of opportunities, the big sites, the sites you can trust with the stable rate, high, but stable. At least you know what's up, right? App, right now with some of the app games and stuff, I mean, the rake is insane. Yeah. And you, and you want to ask yourself, am I insane to play these games? Like, what, what the hell is going on? Do I really believe I have like 150,000 BB per 100 win rate to, to justify playing that shit? Right, with no regulation, no, no nothing. But we still go for that, right? Because you're just well. If I don't go there, then I can just sit in front of uh, an empty table for the the whole day. Well, I think end. from like a professional standpoint, there's still a lot of action. And I think from a, like a professional player standpoint, like you can make a lot of money, and you might have to hustle a little bit. You might have to network a little bit. You might have to learn how to sell action a host and and learn how to find the proper games. And I think for me, I could you know, post, I want to play in a game and I'll have a lot of offers people that want to play me in their game. So, uh, really now poker seems to be, it's about really finding those soft games and and game selecting and, you know, putting the games together, getting pieces of things. The agents are doing well, the the hosts are doing well, you know, those things are, it seem to be what a lot of these people are doing as well. Uh, I think, I I really do think that, you know, I kind of, I'm thinking now, like 
you know, I was thinking about this a lot last night because I was having a little identity crisis. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing, man? You know, I'm poker player, content. What, what am I doing here? You know, businessman, what am I doing? So it's, uh, you know, I feel like I'm just thinking about this a real, a real lot lately just because I'm trying to figure out an approach, a strategy, which direction, make some choices on content, on decisions, on business, on relationships, on life. You know, I'm dealing with a, a breakup, which kind of throw my whole entire worldview in a, in a fucking tornado over here. So there's just so many options, so many directions. And I guess I have so many different interests that I try to really, I try to get deep about poker and the direction I see it going. And, uh, but I do think professionals can still do really well at tournaments. Professionals can do really well at cash games. There's more games to play than ever. If you're kind of know how to navigate the situation, there's really big prize pools. There's the blogs are growing. There are some content companies that are trying to get better. So I do think that there are going to be more people that are going to get into poker in general that are going to play. And so from that front, I think things are looking good. I think it's easier never to improve at your game. I think that'll bring a lot of different players in. So I do think there is a lot of positive things going on. I just, this is the problem when I do the, the stories is like I focus on the negative so much that you, you sometimes forget to see the positive and, the, and the, the, good, the good outlook on things. So that's a big reason why I kind of like to stay away from stories like that because they really, they really send me down these negative places for prolonged periods of time where that's all I'm thinking about. And then it's just stupid, right? Because then everything I've been learning is like business and finance and investing. And, um, you know, all these fucking people I follow, basically, they took an audience and then they just, you know, they sort of turned it into their business and they have courses and they have products and they have mm -hmm. groups and they have all the standard things like that. And I'm like, well, I've got a lot of followers on Twitter. I've got a lot of followers on Instagram. I've got a lot of followers on YouTube. I don't try to get followers. Like I'm not... Mm -hmm. I just do shit for fun. So it's like when I make these tweets, like I just like tweeting. Like I like making, like saying funny things or like putting top five lists. You know, I just like doing things like that. I just find it interesting. And I just love sharing poker. It's a good way to keep getting poker thoughts out there to people that, mm -hmm. that'll get to see them and get to come in the game. Like I just love trying to grow the game. I love trying to, you know, do things like that. But I'm not really obsessed with like follower count or anything like that. And then I studied business. And I said, fuck me. I am terrible at business. I am though. And I, always, I knew this too. I always just say I'm a terrible businessman because I was, I was just, I just never thought about it that way. And then I said, oh my God, like, wow, how bad did I fuck up? Because I had this big opportunity, right? Like I was one of the first people really creating YouTube content. I had one of the biggest podcasts. I could have went any direction. I love to do that. I could do a hundred a day if I want. I could talk all day fucking long on these podcasts. And I was like, God, you know, Joe Rogan's over $200 million. Like, holy shit. You know what I'm saying? And I guess you get sort of that, that, that thing where you're like, wow, well, if I would have maybe pursued that path when I thought about it, and then you could do that about, about all different paths, about all different things you go. Mm -hmm. So, and then I started thinking more about it. And I was like, man, I had the same thing with poker where I could have just kept playing poker. I could have kept, I could have just kept grinding that. But instead I, you know, I was like, I want to build a business another way. I want to try another challenge. Like what a fucking idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like why, why, why did I have to do that? I could have just kept playing. I just kept working on my game, could have kept studying, but you know, I guess I just got kind of burnt out with that. And, um, a little bit, obviously you work hard for a long time. It, make, it makes sense. But yeah, just really learning about business and learning about content. 
and learn about how media works. And I was like, oh man, well, I guess this is my option, right? Like, do I want to do this? Like, do I want to try to make money from, you know, my knowledge and, and what I can do? And, you know, basically like you either create a product or you sell other people's products or you create a service or you sell other people's services. So you can either do that using your channels. You can do that behind the scenes. You can do that, help other companies out. So I've talked to a lot of other companies about doing consulting work with them or about just taking over certain parts of their marketing. And it's a big reason why I learned about business and try to learn about finance, try to learn about every part of a business. So that way I can set up something behind the scenes where I can start anything marketing related, anything content related, anything potentially business related that helps other people gain attention for their brand or gain income for their business or help them think about things a different way, a creative way, anything like that. So, you know, there's a lot of direction, but I go that direction. It's not as much content anymore. And, um, you know, I still really love doing poker content. There's a lot of really things I want to talk about, a lot of topics I still want to talk about too. So that's sort of the... Um, yeah, I can totally relate to, to your struggles, you know, because especially like that part about... And... <laughs> You know, like I, I have a feeling up until recently, I had a feeling like, what the fuck am I doing with, I could be making so much money with poker. Just fucking grind. Just sit down and grind, but I'm not enjoying yeah. it anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I enjoy other things as well. So I'm like, well, I want to do this as well. And I want to do this as well. And then I'm too tired to grind. Right. And then I'm looking at my fucking amazing um, win rate. Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. wow. What a great win rate. Well, but I only played like 5,000 hands this mm -hmm. month, right? This is just feeling so ridiculous until I kind of put it to myself like, fuck it, you know, I'm doing the other things because I actually want to do them, right? And that's, that's why maybe like this year I decided I'm going to be a bit more serious with, with, with the podcasting because uh, I just enjoy it so much. Yeah. Right? And there's this, do you know the saying... Um, or the question, like, what would you do if you knew you could not fail, right? Mm -hmm. And I always thought it's such a bullshit question because it's like, mm -hmm. what's the fucking point of that question? What would you do if you knew you could not fail, right? It's, it's basically a question about, like, what result do you want? Because you're basically shortcutting the path and just, like, focusing on the result. Like, you know you're going to get there, you're never going to fail. But the thing is, it's not the result... That brings the happiness. I mean, the fucking, you know, you might think you need to win $10 million. You win the $10 million, your life still sucks if it sucked before you won them, right? It's, it's right. about the path. And then recently I heard somebody say, rephrase that stupid question uh, and, and ask the question of, what would you do? Or rather, if you knew you would fail, what would you still do? Mm -hmm. I was like, wow. It's basically like, even if I know that I'm going to fail at it in the end, mm -hmm. I'm still going to do it. What is that thing? Right. And I was just like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do the podcast and I don't care to grind poker every fucking hour just to squeeze out the, the last bit of EV. I'm still enjoying the game tremendously, but I just don't have um, a sort of fear of missing out anymore of like, oh man, now is my time. Now is the time to print money because you know what? This this magical golden period is going to end. It's going to end really soon. I've been thinking that for like 10 years. Yeah. Right? Somehow Me for too. 10 years, it didn't fucking end, right? So yeah. why, I mean, why is, all of a sudden? 
Yeah, I, I, I get that. That happened to me. That happened to me before. That's, that's basically why I stopped playing was I was like, I just didn't have that. I didn't have that, that, that real spark like I used to have. And I was like, oh, well, well, I don't even know what's happening here. You know, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't even think about what was happening. And then I tried to start, I started another business that, that did really well, but I just, you know, it wasn't really making me enough money. So I was like, oh, I can't necessarily do that anymore. I was at the rate, raise prices, which I guess I could have done too. But, uh, yeah, man, with poker, like I've been studying again now and like, God, I just love it so fucking much. You know, like I want to play it every day. I don't want to do anything else anymore. So it's like, I, I would study with, with program. I would study right now every waking hour of the day. If I, if mm-hmm. I had nothing else to do, but my regrets are over obsession. My regrets are lack of balance, my lack of deep friendships, relationships I've built over time, even though I have a ton of friends because I've sociable person, everybody loves a winner. So it's like, when I meet people, they're just super kind to me, super nice to me, especially they know me from poker, right? They just like mm. want to be your friend for whatever reason. So it's, um, you know, that's good things, right? And then with that comes confidence. I've always had a lot of confidence. So just when you talk to people and present yourself to people, like I'm very friendly. I love asking people questions. I love talking to them. I love spending time with people. So, you know, I make friends easy, but I just never really worked at developing deeper friendships with, with, with my friends or with my family. Cause I was so sort of like self-absorbed in some ways with poker and with my content and with the community and with doing mm. podcasts and with playing and basically my work, whatever my work was and whatever I was working with, I was like obsessed with that. And it wasn't like, it wasn't much about myself in some ways. I mean, it is about yourself, but like, it was always sort of like not much inner work, a lot of like outer work type of thing. And, um, that's one big thing this year that I studied during like my, my long break. It's just, uh, you know, do, do I want to do this anymore? Like, do I want to put myself through this, this, this grind anymore, this obsession over work anymore? And, uh, I definitely do. I think I 100% do. I love it. Like I, I have, I feel like I have some of the greatest ideas of all time in terms of like content, in terms of marketing, in terms of like creating high value things that people would really love or having conversations with people that people would be completely enamored with. So I, I've just, I, you know, I've had the, and I've had them for years. I, I knew, I, I know they work. I know I can do them like with poker, you know, poker is such a small market that if I take any of my formats or my personality or to, to anything and just grind with it, like it'll be successful, whether that's a business that's public or a business that's private or whatever it is I do. But I'm just like, how do I want to get there? And, and what's that process going to be like? And how unhealthy am I going to be? You know, am I going to be needing drugs to do this? Or am I going to be, you know, needing a lot of, uh, uh, coffee or this caffeine or like sacrificing my, my friendships with my family and sacrificing relationships with people that I really care about. And I want to be a bigger part of their life and sacrificing the relationship with my body and with my health and with my mind and just with the fucking stress that sometimes will come with, um, with an intense work when you're not doing mindfulness and we're not being balanced. So I just decided that I really want to be more balanced and I want to get outside a lot more. I want to approach things from a healthier standpoint, get a lot of movement in, make sure I drink a lot of water, eat a nice diet, get the connection with people and, and have that closeness with them. But, and then sort of ease my way back into uh, work right now with what I'm doing with content. Mm. Cause I got a lot of ideas for things I'm going to be doing and um, just taking it slow, man, just taking it slow, not, not, not being impacted by the results right now. Yeah, I mean, the thing with taking it slow, as soon as you're in the groove, the next thing you know, it's like, oh, it's been, you know, 20 hours of work. 
yeah, and I got to get up uh, in four hours, you know, because I, I catch myself over and over in these periods of just, uh, you know, just like yourself, of just getting obsessively into, oh, I need to do this and I need to do this and uh, sort of saying yes to a lot of things that, you know, yeah, I, good I have no problem away. saying no, but I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Sure. Oh, I have, look, look at this. I have 30 minutes in my calendar. No problem. I can do that. Right. And it's just a disaster so, so often. I mean, I'm constantly working on it, sort of getting better, falling back into the same old patterns. And uh, the one thing that I recently started doing is really awesome for me. I, I prefer to do work in the morning, just mm -hmm. sort of works better for me. I mean, also just uh, the, the circumstances of like where I live, how I live, like the only uninterrupted time I have is really the early morning. And then the rest of the day, it can be like, I mean, I have a two-year-old kid who's just, you know, you try to explain to him that daddy needs to work. Like he's not buying it, right? So, um, so what I decided is just like, you know what? My working day ends at 12 at noon. Uh -huh. I was just like, oh man, this is going to be impossible because I've been working 16-hour days and do I really, like, how can I finish by noon? I mean, first of all, one thing happened. I, I woke up without the alarm clock now because I know that, hey, it's at the, the 12 o'clock coming. I got it clock off. That's it. doesn't mean that I don't do anything work-related after that time, but I, I don't have... Because I used to have like this stupid feeling of, ah, so much left undone. I could have done more today. Could have done, yeah. should have done that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that moment, the cutoff point for me now is at noon. And I mean, I'm not crazy. I'm not gonna kick myself for the rest of the day saying oh, I should have done more by noon because hey, I have the whole day ahead of me. But mm -hmm. just such a much better. I mean, it's a stupid kind of trick of the mind, but it really works for me. I mean, maybe my you know some some form of that might might work for you as well. Yeah, it's just like it's all. Like a, I agree. Like it's all like reframing things. Yeah. It's just like constantly reframing things and getting out of those negative thought patterns. And yeah, I think that's a really, uh, you know, a nice way to do it. Assuming that, you know, you can do that or you feel like you can do that or, mm. and, uh, yeah. It's also like it, right? well, what you do, you know, with having so many ideas, having so many directions, that's the problem really, because you Absolutely. actually can be working uh, nonstop forever until you just can't anymore, right? And then you burn out and then you just, okay, I need, I need time off. I need a break. Uh, and I've been there again. It was like so many times, you know, it was just, you, you feel so tired that you're fuck it. I don't want to do anything anymore. No emails, no nothing. Just, mm -hmm. oh, you know, my family wants something from me. Well, I'll reply to them in a week's time. I don't even want to touch my phone. It's just such a bad place to be in. Just That's a real, real interesting way to put it. I mean, you're kind of hitting on something I just thought about last night. You know, you're saying, saying yes to a lot of things, whether that's an opportunity or whether that's to yourself. And I think this is one big thing that, um, you know, I, I listened to last night. And it was just about like, it was such a sick, it was such a sick way to put it. Basically, she talked about how, you know, we have this thing with ourselves where we talk to ourselves and, and we tell ourselves to do something. And um, mm. when we don't do that, we lose confidence. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, Absolutely right? Like that's, you lose confidence in your ability to do something because you're building up the habit of telling yourself you're going to do this and you don't do it. So mm -hmm. yourself doesn't even believe you when you say, oh, I'm going to do this and do that. So it's like that thing right there. And then I thought about the focusing. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, like I'm all over the fucking place. 
So of course, and I'm not good at being organized and planning yet, which is literally the last step I think I need in order to, uh, you know, take my operation or my life or whatever to, I mean, even then, like, you know, things are, are great too. You got to be grateful about things that your position you're in. Cause I lost a listen to one thing that talked about how, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily stop and enjoy the place that they're at. And they used to aspire and dream to become the person that they are now. And when they become that person, they are now, then they aspire and dream to be someone else. So they constantly live in the future rather than mm-hmm. living in the present moment and saying, Hey, like I'm here, here we are. Like I, you know, I'm living in Vegas or whatever. I dreamt about living in Vegas when you were 22 years old and now you're here. So yeah, all those things definitely, uh, you know, all those things played a big part in uh, kind of getting my mind a little bit around and, and getting back to work and viewing things differently. And, um, and yeah, just trying to try to make some decisions really, because that's what it is. It's just saying yes to all these ideas and all these different things and all at one time. And I know it's challenging. I know I'm going to get myself in moods like this. I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. But I never handle things the easy way. So, yeah, you know, I always do things the hard way, for better or worse. Mm. And you know, with this productivity, because you're saying that's sort of the last uh, thing you need to fix to get on the right path. And I've been, um, you know, I always thought of myself as super productive. And I've been, because like I had a professional, like I, I had a real profession. I worked in an industry uh, for five years, uh, you know, the big, well, small, but big market-wise, um, um, reputable international company, you know, it's like, was super, super productive. I actually held two positions with, with one organization and then with my company while studying my MBA studies. So it's just, my days looked crazy. Like six in the morning, I'm at work. Uh, six in the evening, I'm in the university. Like, 10 in the evening, I'm eating my dinner, I'm going to sleep and repeat uh, every fucking day. And I was so productive. Like I literally managed to have my calendar like fit within like small 15 minute break between events, but just everything was so good. And I thought I can replicate it here with Mm -hmm. what I'm doing right now. With with mixing poker with the other things. Because it was never a problem with poker because I mean with poker... The only decision you have to make is, oh, there's no game. Well, I guess we study, right? And that's about it. That's that's where it ends, well, at least for me, right? Because what else are you yeah. going to do? I mean, I'm full into poker, so it's either play or study. I mean, that's it. But with doing the content, because it always seems like... I have a specific example, actually, for you. Like, there, there's this thing that I want to write. You know, there's an article that I want to write, and I've been wanting to write it for the last, like, three months or something it's you know obviously takes a bit of work takes a bit of effort and i even put it in the calendar like oh yeah i'm gonna do it but it's in the calendar at like 4 p.m whatever 6 p.m the thing with this work it's not like all right let's let's sit down and let's do it it's not as easy as you know just you know you're in the factory let's let's hit that hammer you need to be there you need to be fully there you need to be present in the moment you need to be thinking sharp you need to be fresh you need to be inspired and for the most mm-hmm. part you know by 4 p.m so much so much shit already happened mm-hmm. that i'm usually just i'm tired i don't want to do this anymore so for mm-hmm. me this putting things before noon and just holding myself accountable that hey you know what before noon i'm not 
even checking my messages. Like there is nothing. There nothing can distract me. There's literally nothing. I mean, even I lock my door so my son can't get in, right? <laughs> so now now he's used to it. But and what happens is basically, you know, whenever I feel like, oh shit, I can't finish this today. Well, I know that tomorrow it's going to be in that time frame of um, before noon. Whatever needs to be done and is not done. Well, you know what? Tomorrow, that window, I'm going to do it. Man, that's, a, that's like a real interesting way to get it there if you can. That's like, I mean, that's kind of what, what people do with their jobs. They, they work the nine to five, some people do, and then they turn it off. Or even, I believe not, people, some people are just really good at turning it on, turning it off, like reframing mm. focus. I've, I've, just, I've been the same way where I just thought about it all the time. So it's like, how do I turn off that, that, that energy, right? How do you not put energy to it? There's so much to do. There's so many things that you could work on when you do content. Or, but you mentioned, right, you're creating. It's like, yeah, I got a lot of ideas and things I want to write too, but it's like, yeah, it's real. You got to be real creative about it. You got to like want it to be, sometimes you want it to be perfect. You want it to be really good or like you have a vision in your mind and you're just like maybe scared of getting it out there or just whatever. Like there's all these sorts of blocks like that. And and what you talked about, about the morning time, that's what a lot of, uh, like if you study a lot of people who are talking about success, right? Whatever you want to call these fucking guys, whether they're like the, the, the millionaires and bill, the guys who've won the game of wealth, essentially. However, mm. they won the game of wealth. A lot of them talk about how, yeah, I guess a lot of other people actually talk about this too. Talk about getting the thing done straight away. Is that you yeah. plan the night before, you have the tough top one to three things you need to get done and doing them straight away because you only have so many decision-making decision making energy throughout the day that you want to get those decisions out of the way first versus getting mm. them away later. So that makes sense that if you kind of put them first, you'll get them all done, but then you put things later on, you might not get them done. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I imagine it's like that for many people, especially as we're using so much social media and we take in so much input constantly throughout the day that when it comes to 10 PM, it's like, you know, you can't even get, get focused for the day. Like your mind's been, been consuming so much shit that, you know, how are you going to really put that much creative process into it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also funny, like how, how our minds work, like as, as far back as I can remember, I mean, Pretty much when I learned to read in English, I started reading all these productivity books, time management, productivity, how to be like, eat that frog, do that thing first in the morning. You know, the one thing, great book, the atomic habits, great book, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on a huge list. And then you have that sort of inspiration and it's all working. It's all fitting like, oh, this great book is really helpful for like a month. And then then it's gone, you know, because just life takes over with your old habits of like, yeah, yeah, sure, I can get it done. Because to me, like the biggest problem with this type of work is I'm not used to it. Right. I mean, I'm not, I've never had to like create things, right? And I don't have to right now. And that's also maybe a bit of a problem, right? Because there is like absolutely nothing in it financially for me, but I just want to do it. Like this little article, I just really want to put it out there because I think a lot of people might find it really, really helpful. But it's always sort of, yeah, I can slot it in there between four, four thirty and 6. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. You just don't get it done. Then you can, then you, then you, and you keep not getting it done. And then eventually it's just there for three months and you're like, well, I'll get it tomorrow done. And then you don't get it done tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. it's like, you yeah, almost need to, exactly. uh, yeah, I guess just kind of, I guess, I think that's just difference between, you know, people that maybe 
excel at doing just a lot of different things. It's just like, they just do, they're good at doing things that they don't want to do. So a lot of people talk mm. about that. It's just being good at things you don't want to do. And then some people talk about doing things, only doing things that you want to do. So it's like, you can kind of pick and choose if you want to in some ways. And then of course, like you have ramifications, but like, is it that big of a deal if you don't write that article? Right, that's like that's thing. that's probably a debatable thing. Is it really like what's it really cost you not to write it? Maybe you just get rid of the idea if you don't do it for three months. Maybe you say, "Fuck it, I don't really want to do this. Let me let me choose something else." Yeah. So instead of stressing about it, you just say, "Ah, oh, well, that's it." Yeah, and that's the thing you're you're saying. Um, you know, how much do you want to do it? Because if if you really want to do something, like really want to do it. There's no stopping you. I mean, there's right. nothing's going to stop you. Because like, let's take today, for example, right? I woke up, like it's whatever it is now, 10 p.m. almost, right? I woke up at like before six, had a super busy day, so many calls, so much unexpected stuff happened. Got a massive migraine, couldn't find any painkillers. So I'm sitting with a massive migraine, but I'm loving this. Right? I was looking forward to this. I was thinking like, ah, shit, so tired, et cetera, et cetera. But I have a conversation with Joey. It's going to be awesome. And I always feel like this about these things. Yeah. You know, but I might be fresh and I might have my cup of coffee ready, but I'm going to find an excuse not to do something that I'm not so excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if converse, it sounds like conversations do that for you, just talking to people and maybe learning things and getting different perspectives or talking with people who are knowledgeable about industries that you're passionate about potentially. And maybe you can learn something from or take something away from, or just Mm. you want to share your passion with other people as well too. So it could be some of those reasons. Yeah, exactly. Because how, what is it for you? You've done so many podcasts with so many different people. Um, Like what, what do you get out of it? Uh, well, I used to just love talking poker and then, uh, you know, get good and bad as I started learning a lot and I started having a lot of options in terms of like paths I could go down. You know, you talk to one guy, he's talking to me about diet and you're like, oh, I never thought about that. And then working out, never thought about that business. You get people that are into crypto, you get people that are into different parts of the finance world, you get people that play hold'em tournaments, you know, they're in media, they're, they're in the oil trading business, right? Like you get all these different people on and then it's really fun just like kind of learning, learning how they approach, uh, you know, you're actually making me realize something right now. It's interesting, right? Because I haven't done a podcast in so long. You're making me realize something right now, which is that maybe like I just, I still love having, I talk all the time with my my friends, but mm-hmm. maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some reason why I'm just not doing podcasts. Like I don't really have that, that, that um, I, I want to have the conversations. And like, I guess maybe it's just, maybe it's more about poker specifically because a lot of stuff I'm learning, I'm learning outside of poker. But now that I'm working more poker back in, I'm like, oh, I really want to do like a poker related podcast mm-hmm. because I've got a lot to talk about. I've got a lot of questions. Like I think people are evolving over COVID. Like how are people thinking about that differently or approaching that differently? You know, I think I just have a lot of things I'd like to talk about with people like yourself and other people who are knowledgeable. So I think for me, I just like having the conversations and it gets my mind going. It gets me learning, but that can be a gift and a curse because when you start learning a bunch of shit, then, you know, then you're overextending yourself potentially and you're not focusing mm-hmm. and you're not saying no to things. So the ability to have conversation and just sort of like, what do you do with that information that you might find valuable to progress in something that you're working at? I think that's uh, something I'm trying to figure out now, which 
feels like it comes down to being planned and organized and focused on what you're doing and understanding and knowing what you're doing versus being so open to sort of like, oh, well, that might be interesting as well. Mm. But in terms of identity, how do you feel about it? Like, can you be still, I'm a poker player, as you said, and I'm also this and I'm also that? Because it seems like so many hats on one head. I know, right? That's, that's what I'm deciding. It's like, what, what, you know, am I a, making content for poker? Like, you know, I plan to make some more content related to me playing poker again. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just like, what, what is it going to be? You know, am I going to be, do I want to primarily just grind a lot and then sort of do content on the side? Do I want to, you know, improve the, the system and process I use for creation and stick to a few formats? Do I want to be all over the place? Like, you know, do I want to start more of a business, focus more on my product or more on my service? So that's sort of what I'm deciding right now. And that's why I'm just kind of taking it slow with poker, uh, studying an hour a day, each day, every day, and uh, really just being mindful when I study, thinking a lot about the decisions I'm getting into or, or that, I'm, that I'm working at and then seeing how it works in real time. Again, for Hold'em, because I, I just, you know, I, a PLO, I already know PLO. So learning Hold'em, I think, is, is a different challenge. And then I can play these tournaments and play some of these cash games, some of these weaker players as well. and do more stuff in America with a lot of the live scene and with the vlogs and with stuff like that. So, so yeah, I'm just uh, taking it slow right now, really. But it's, it's when you're used to doing really well at something, at least in your own mind, it can be frustrating because you sort of want to get back to that point. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if we think about it, like you basically got into poker I don't want to say by accident, but you sort of stumbled into it and then you loved it and then you're it. Now, when you're trying to figure stuff out and figure out what are you going to do, it's basically a new experience for you. How do you approach it? Yeah, absolutely. That's something I thought about uh, recently as well, which is just that, you know, I didn't really choose to be a poker player. Like it chose me. Like I, I just sort of found it and did it. And now I have an option to make a choice and I can decide, okay, which direction do I want to go? Mm. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure I know the direction I want to go to. I'm just being real, I'm just kind of being impatient about it. And I just have to be slow with it. You know, everything can't happen in a day. Like, like success comes with consistency. I haven't been consistent with anything I've been doing except my last relationship then in quite a long time. Consistent meaning like every day you're involved in what you're doing, right? Every day you're in your business. Every day you're on your content. Every day you're playing. Every day you're you're doing something related to that. So for a long time, I was just studying every day. So I basically like decided a few years ago, I just needed to get a lot smarter about things. Uh, you know, if I wanted to, to do well at business, because I just didn't understand a lot of things. Even I didn't understand business. I just like studying a lot about other things outside of poker. And... Um, and yeah, I feel like now it's kind of all coming together, but it just, I want to be patient with it. I want to try to be healthy. I don't want to stress myself out so much. I don't want to burn out so much, but it's real hard with like creative stuff and you make content and people don't like it or they don't watch it or like now there's so much more content in a lot of ways. Like, you know, you got to be, you got to do things that stand out in some ways or get attention in the past. I've been, I, you know, I did some challenges, stuff like that. And, and, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I just see the strategy some people use outside of poker to get attention. I'm like, uh, you know, like the politicians world and sports world and stuff like that. And uh, I guess that's just not a direction I necessarily want to go. So, but I don't, I don't know, man. I think, uh, 
yeah, I just never, never really chose this as, as a direction I wanted to go. So I'm kind of just deciding like how, how deep do I want to get into it again? And, uh, or how, what, what level of like intenseness do I want to pick it up with right now? I guess on some level, you must be a bit afraid to make the decision. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Definitely. I think that's something that is, uh, you know, always plagued me for better or worse in a lot of ways is just making a decision, right? Like I made a decision before I'm going to play poker. Now I want to make this decision as well too, but I'm still a little conflicted, I guess. Plus mm -hmm. probably the breakup really threw me off a little bit too and kind of dealing with that and dealing with how exactly I'll structure my life and trying to get into a groove with that too. Yeah. And I think a lot of poker players struggle with the same thing of what to do after. Yeah. Because, well, many of us got into poker in the first place, much like yourself. It's just one day you wake up a poker player. There was no big uh, decision there. It just happened, right? So to so walk away, you know, there was um, a few months ago, I had um, a conversation on the podcast with um, Bill Perkins. And uh, it was about his book, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually towards the end, we started talking about poker. And he went on this little rant about... I know all these poker players are like so smart, whatever, whatever. And they're just, uh, how did he put it? He, he said like, they're sucking on the titty of mama poker. They can't leave mama poker because it's just easy money. And they feel like, oh, you know what? I'm so, I can't leave my mama poker. I can't go into the big world and, and, and do things to make the big decision. I was thinking like, wow, you know what? It's very accurate in some yeah. ways, right? Because that is a thing, you know, you, you're doing something that you like, you know, you like it, you like poker, you're good at it. It brings you everything that you really need, right? It build, brings the challenge, fulfillment, whatever, and the money. So to say that, you know what, I'm going to do something else. First of all, you have to leave that thing, which you happen to like. And you go into that big unknown which you know you like on paper, but as a job, as a full-time thing, as a commitment, because it's one thing to make something for fun. And there's another thing when it becomes schedules, commitments, you know, you have to do this, you have to say that. And not that somebody's going to control your content, but there's going to be, hey, you know, it's it's Friday. Where's where's your new thing? What's going on? Right. right? Which becomes this different different animal in a way. That's a bit scary, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think Perkins, what he said is pretty accurate. I think it's also like once you, you know, it's not like poker. Once you leave, you can like kind of come back in some ways unless you like play private games, weaker players. You know, if you want to compete against great players, like you got to keep working at your game. And uh, if you just take time off or go away for a year and try to come back, like, you know, that that could be a struggle for you. And then you might end up losing more money and might not be able to win anymore. So it's like, if you want to remain competitive on public sites right now, you have to be working pretty consistently, in my opinion, unless obviously you have a good game selection strategy, you know, that sort of trumps everything. But yeah, I see that I can understand even even these guys, I guess he's saying that they're smart guys who just stick around poker, stick around private games, keep playing, even though that and that's what I learned actually from my break is that like, 
our views are so biased by poker that once you like, I just didn't pay attention to poker for like two months. And then mm. my whole entire worldview opened up. I started working with my buddy, helped him make a music video. And I was like, oh, I could, I could like, I started learning about how much, how much money people are making doing other things. And I was like, well, that's fascinating because these guys, it, it's, it's easy to do these things. Like it's yeah. easy to set up a, once you understand how to do this stuff, it's easy to set up a marketing agency and then find clients. So mm. that's how a lot of people do. They find clients. Everybody wants to make more money. So it's like a coach. You're basically a coach. So do you want to coach someone to make more money? You just have to convince five people, 10 people in the entire world that you can help them make more money. And they have to help them make more money. Or you have to improve their life or be their friend or whatever. So that's kind of how poker is. You just need to find one person, one bad player, one fun player, one someone to play in a game with you that you can make money off them. And once I started realizing like you could frame business in that way, I was like, well, you could pretty much do anything you want to do. You, you look at a job or a business and say, I want to make a version of that. And then you go as wide or as narrow potentially as you might want to go with the idea. And then you pick something, right? It could be a product that you only run, you build brand on social media, and then you promote it through Facebook and through Google. And that's all you do. And then you do influencer marketing, you find enterprise marketing, you get your product up there, you keep doing content. Like you can build any brand that way. That's mm. exactly how you do it. And it's just a matter of, do you want to do that? And do you want to be consistent with it? And, and then it's about finding a market that's ripe for a product and then creating a product or service that that market needs or wants or is going to want in the future. And anytime you do things like this, you call, I come back to poker and I'm like, fuck me. Like, you know, what would that be? Like, what's, what's, where, where's the trend going? Like, where are things going? Where could it be for me? What would I have to do for all these things like that? And, um, you know, a lot of the way I've structured my life in poker is, is me on camera. So I have to keep creating on camera. Mm. So I'm like, well, what if I create ideas that I can sell to other people and have them create, or I can bring them on as they'll be the talent and I can help them do the creation process because I got the mo I got a hundred banger series that are poker. Any, any content genre could do these series, do the exact framework I have and they'd be successful with it. So it's like, well, do I want to turn that into something? Right. So that, that, and that, and kind of going back to the idea of poker is that I do kind of want to take that step Perkins is talking about where it's like, all right, let's do something serious outside of it. But then it's like, you know, what exactly is that going to be? And, um, and yeah, you know, I don't know. Poker's just like real, it's real peaceful. It's fun and stressful. It's chaotic, but it's fun. You know, there's no one telling you to go fuck yourself except at the table. Sometimes there's no one telling you like you suck. There's no one telling you like, shut the fuck up. There's no one telling you all these comments that, you know, and that, and whatever, I'm used to them, they're fine now, but it's just like when you create something, you put a lot of your energy into it and sometimes you put your soul into it and you put a lot into it. And, you know, when it's controlled by algorithms and by, have you posted content lately? And are you responding to every comment? Do you have the right thumbnail? Do you have the right title? Like, it's not really about content anymore. It's like, you're playing these, these, programs games like i'm playing mm. the youtube game i'm playing instagram game i'm playing twitter game if i get on tiktok i'm playing a tiktok game you know what i'm saying like you're not playing who is the best you're playing like who who can take advantage of the system the best and maybe you say that's poker too like to me that wasn't necessarily how i viewed poker you know i viewed poker as like this was you know any, anyone's got a chance here everyone's got a shot to win and i feel like in these other things it's not really the, the games aren't necessarily laid out like that but so many people judge success by the metrics that come down to being able to do that right like people see views or they see subscribers and they think that means anything and um you know it really it, right, to me it really doesn't mean much right like mm. it just means you've been around and you did it consistently and and uh 
that's it really, man. If you put yourself out there for four years, like you're going to find people that like you, you're going to connect with people. You're going to have hard course. So I guess just understanding all this, you start to understand how a lot of what we do in the world is based around the idea of marketing and the idea of creating a feeling by that's what poker stars did. They create a feeling for us and we loved them. They got supernova elite. They were awesome. They're on TV. They got moneymaker. They got in the ground they got all these great people that we knew. And then you learn over time, like, you know, that's not how it works. Once you start coming more intelligent about how this shit works at a big level, how the corporate, how the corporation structure works and how much a bunch of bullshit it is. So yeah. once you start to see that, you're like, well, fuck man, do I want to also be a part of that? Or do I want to get outside? Cause either way you got to earn a living somehow. So at what way are you going to earn that living? Is that going to be where you're, right? Helping and get attention for an ocean cleaning rescue mission, right? Like mm. when those people raise funds, you can't, are you going to be a lot? Like, you know what I'm saying? There's just like, what part of the world do you decide you want to fit into? Because you're either working for someone or you're working for yourself. And then either way, you're working for somebody. So that's what's cool about poker in a lot of ways is that, you know, poker stars is like a version of YouTube in some way where the customers contribute, they can, they pay this rate, right? Like on YouTube, mm -hmm. YouTube doesn't do anything besides host server space and facilitate advertising. And then we pour our heart and souls into making content. We upload it. They give us a percentage of the advertisers that they make. We have no selection or option in it. We're sort of at the mercy of what they want to do. Mm. So once you start understanding that you're like, well, what, what side of this do I want to be on? Do I want to be the platform? Do I want to be the content? Do I want to be in the woods? Like, what do, where do I want to be and what do I want to be doing here? Yeah. So, you know what? I want to touch upon two things that you said because it really struck home with me. Um, especially that part about poker being this safe place for us in a way, mm -hmm. which sounds ridiculous, contradictory, because like, oh man, there's so many swings, the variance, et cetera, et cetera. But hey, I'm used to variance. That doesn't affect me. Those swings, they don't affect me. Like that thing, it's a safe environment. I have no clients. I have no boss. I have nobody looking over my shoulder. I have no nobody telling me what to do. I'm just doing whatever I feel like, right? Whereas with the content, even the comments that you have mentioned, right? It is ridiculous that, you know, you put in your heart and soul and you, like somebody watching like 12 minute video of yours, Right. For them, it's a 12 minute video. Probably they watch it on like one and a half speed. For them, it's like seven minutes. They might watch three minutes and then leave a comment that, man, you suck. You shouldn't be doing this. Right. But you actually spent like probably hours creating it, planning it, writing it, publishing it, and then maintaining it with the comments, et cetera, et cetera. It's hours of work. It's hours of your energy. It's hours that you could have spent watching cat videos yourself. Right. But you chose to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you have to read that shit. And it still affects me in a way, not in a sort of, it doesn't damper my mood, but I'm like sometimes getting like, damn it, I wish I could explain to these people that there's more to it. Because like today I went for a run just before we started recording and I, I got a not notification. Somebody left a comment on one of my older videos of like where I did a sort of in-depth analysis of a hand, right? I just left a comment of like, you don't know what you're talking about. You shouldn't even be making these videos. And that's it, period. I'm thinking like, first of all, like, how do you know, like care to elaborate? Like, what do you mean? I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, like, do, 
do please tell me, right? I want to learn if, you, if you're so smart. And second, like, where's the logic? What do you mean if you don't know what you're doing? Like, if you don't know the answer to what is the correct answer to that hand, don't make a video. Like, what do you mean? I suppose this video is not for you, so move on and, and watch something else, you know, right. whatever. I do something else. Like, why do you choose to watch this video till like, oh, on the eighth minute and 23rd second, you're wrong. Like, what the mm. fuck did you do for eight minutes? Like, why didn't you do something else? Like, wh wh what's wrong with you, right? And I'm thinking like, well, you watched eight minutes of a video to leave that comment without elaborating? Because I'd love to hear like, if I'm actually wrong, I'm, I'm all for it. Tell me, I want to learn. But I spent probably like a few hours making it, right? Mm -hmm. and it's just like, damn it. And that doesn't happen in poker, right? You don't have to deal with that stuff. Oh, no. Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely. That's, I mean, yeah, even though it sounds silly to let it impact you or some ways, it's just like you don't really want to deal with it. I mean, I guess you do deal with that if you put yourself out there as a poker player, too. I always used to put myself out there as a poker player. So I used to deal with this shit constantly. And that's what got me good at it, was dealing with it. These people would like say these things. It would motivate me. I'm like, I want to prove these guys wrong. But you do content, you're not really proving it. Like if they're like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you're like, well, I don't think I am, but you know, maybe this guy thinks I am, right? Like you, you don't prove, you're not proving these guys wrong. There's no like, I'll show you sort of thing like that. It's just, uh, and like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't deal with it a ton. Or else I don't even check some of the comments sometimes, right? So I'm sure I'm getting it. Like, I guess you are, there are a lot actually on yeah, some of these videos once they hit outside of my normal sphere. But yeah, I know what you mean, right? It's just, um, I don't really, I try to put my, I don't, I used to put myself in spot of like the, the positive and negative people as well too, but now I just don't even think about it much more. And, uh, you know, that's good and bad in some ways because I love the comments. I like Twitter a lot, especially for that because it's like a very conversational platform. Mm -hmm. So I love Twitter. Uh, it's one of my favorite places. It's just, um, now it's all politics. So it's not necessarily the best place to no. be. Everyone's talking politics, like politics, their marketing is like the greatest marketing I've ever seen in my life. Like they have a new, they have they have four apostles a day, basically. There's just like four like earth shattering things that happen that everyone's like, oh my, can you fucking believe this, right? Like they're just in shock. The, the, the Senate did this, this guy did that. These guys are the most genius marketers I've ever seen in my life. I've studied their entire model. I've researched all the corporations that own the companies. I've researched the groups that fund these corporations, the biggest shareholders, their entire model, their business. I'm just like, fuck, these guys are so good. And you see, I mean, every, every day it's something. Every day there's a riot. There's fucking, and then they build up to something else. And then there's a big announcement. Now this happens, right? There's an election. There's the runoff. There's all these things like that. They just have events constantly. Mm -hmm. There's always something going on. They're so smart about their, the way that they share these things. So it's just like, when you look at that and you're like, man, then you look at poker and you look at that. I'm like, well. <laughs> and then I look at like UFC and I look at poker. I'm like, oh, and then I look at other esports I researched as well. And I'm like, fuck, you know, like mm -hmm. there, there are all these like media outlets in all these other things that don't exist in my industry. And I'm like, well, do I create one of these? Like, do I want, because I basically have people that will fund any, any business I want to do. So if I want to raise money for anything, I could raise money for anything. So I'm just like, do I want to get more in the media game, right? Do I want to get more in the content game? Do I want to like embrace those comments that you're talking about and say, yeah, like I want those comments because a lot of people out there don't mind. They, they, that's their business model is getting those comments. Mm -hmm. That's what makes them a living is to create that sort of polarization and create that feeling intentionally versus 
doing, putting your heart into it and expecting everyone to feel the same way you do about it. They're like, fuck it. Let's sort of create that. And then some people go heavy value and some people have different strategies they use. So Mm. there's multiple different media strategies to do. It's just that when you compete against people who sometimes do other strategies, you might, or even if you look at that, you might say, oh, maybe I should consider doing that. And uh, yeah, media, the media studies have been fascinating. I studied Mm. some interesting stuff. Yeah. And and about your, your election stuff and everything. I remember a friend of mine, well, a sort of business colleague later became a friend. He was a, or is still has been for like, whatever, 30, 40 years now, um, a PR director for one of uh, one huge company, a multinational company. And he would religiously take a month off and go every four years for the election time to be in the States and to just be present and just take all the newspapers, watch all the media, everything that he can get his hands on. Cause it was his like back to school time, right? He's like, I'm learning so much every time I go there. Cause you know, whatever is the newest, the smartest approach in managing public opinion, it's really visible there and then. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. That's really, in- I mean, yeah, it makes sense. They are, they are like, they are the trends, right? These guys are the trends. Like this guy, these guys are experts at what they're doing. They've been doing this for a very long time. They have unlimited resources to hire the smartest creative people to figure out how to do this. They have data, unlimited amount of data that they gather from these big media companies that show them exactly how to create the effect that they want to create. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, even when you chase like the history of PR, you start to realize like everything that happens on the internet a lot of, is a lot of PR. Right, it's a lot of spin. It's a lot of perceptions. A lot about what what these people are putting out there. That and now there's so many outlets and so many spots. Like you can't even consume everything about a topic. So it's like you're just you're always having a skewed perception of what reality is about almost anything. And uh, well, then you can then the, that's what they do. They they manipulate that. They figure mm-hmm. out ways to 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 repetitively get these images and these thoughts into your mind. And um, yeah, it's like. I understand why that guy was doing that makes sense. He's probably seeing now he's probably looking at what they're doing now. And uh, yeah, it's wild, man. It's a wild time out there. It is. It's absolutely crazy. And yet the poker industry is really doesn't, but where do you think, where's the, where's the problem? Is it the people working in the companies? Cause you've obviously dealt with a lot of people in, in the marketing departments. I would assume, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming. Um, is it the people? Is it, the policies of the companies that just not take it seriously or I don't what, know the, hell what, is going the, on? what the what the problems would be. I think the companies just like don't even exist. It's not even like there's maybe a problem with the existing ones. It's that the you know companies that might create that community morale, right? Like you yeah, think about community, usually the the biggest companies create morale for the company. And the community right now is so fragmented, meaning like there's Americans who play at the casino, there's Americans who play on streams, there's Americans who vlog, there's Americans who do podcasts, there's Americans who sometimes play online and ACR, they play on all these different sites, they're out of the country. There's Then there's the European guys, there's the fucking uh, South American guys, there's all these different fragmentations of things. And there's the owners of this companies don't talk to each other. We don't even know who the hell Poker Stars is, right? They're just a, a, a faceless board who send out Luxfeld House and 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 their ambassadors to 
to build this faith in the community. And then they, they buy influencers, right? They have them stream on Twitch. You see those guys thinking, oh, this must be a company to do because this guy's streaming it or this guy, I like his personality. They're support him. All right, I'll support this company, right? But we don't really know who behind this company and, um, and any of these things, right? They don't really have much of a public face. That's why like even, but not even then, like, you know, Rob Young has a public face or party and they're, they're having some issues and uh, why I think some of these sites have issues or things. I mean, I don't know, maybe they wouldn't, they wouldn't say they have issues, right? Their businesses are successful. So I think it's also like a lot of the players that are still in it too. Like the loudest voices don't really enjoy poker anymore. And instead mm -hmm. of saying like, all right, I'm going to like not talk about poker anymore. You know, like kind of Doug Polk was doing for a while. They will stick around poker and sort of like still be leaders of a community that they have no interest in. When you look at other sports, that's not like how it works there. Like people still, they support each other. They are talking about the big highlights. Everyone's talking about the moments that happen. They're sharing on social media. There's a fight happens. Everyone's chiming in. There's no real community events that bring everyone together except the World Series of Poker. And now they've just completely, now their true colors are shown to a lot of people out there. Not saying that they can't bring it back, but they just don't care. So that's the biggest problem in America is, to me as World Series Poker is they don't care. They built the biggest brand and they don't care anymore about trying to grow that. They're just trying to do the bare minimum. They license their brand to GG Poker. They make some money from that. They do these circuit events. They license their name to the casino. They make some money from that. They run their own. They license their name to a poker operator and they make money from that here in Nevada. So it's like, I don't think they're very hands-on with any of this stuff. They do the bare minimum on marketing on their platform. And I think that they are the ones who get to create these events. They are the one who have the strongest brand to be able to put these kind of things together and get outreach and have relationships with big distributors and they have a budget potentially to do so. So when your biggest company is not doing anything and then Poker Stars isn't doing much in America except the state that they're legal in, Party Poker as well too. And then you have Poker Go who's just like, they're struggling to create attention right now but i think over time they will but they're also only on facebook or they're only on youtube and you can't get that much distribution from just facebook or youtube and a lot of times there's no roadmap to bring the audience that you're acquiring from these platforms into the community in a lot of ways so they end up being fans of sammy farha from 2008 but like they don't play poker and they don't follow what's happening now so it's like you know, I don't really know exactly what I would say a problem is because really like there's not a problem. I create a real nice business in poker if I wanted to. I can go down a number of different verticals if I wanted to right now. Mm. So from like a business, personal business standpoint, I don't think there are a lot of problems, right? It's just from like a morale standpoint in the industry, like the feedback, the sentiment, the excitedness, like the willingness to share all these type of things. I just don't really see that there. And maybe this is just like on Twitter because a lot of people don't do Twitter. And Instagram, a lot of people don't do Instagram as well. Like most people are just doing YouTube and now there's so much YouTube out there. So, so yeah, man, it's, it's just a few different things, right? It's real hard to wrap it into one thing, but like, again, once again, it's once again, focusing on issues versus focusing on what the positives are. Mm. Yeah, but we need, we need somebody to create these po positive um, stories to cover this and to create the, the community feeling because like listen we just talked about you know oh we're doing something else we're you know i mean i'm still very much a poker player but i am also doing other things but we both love the game and we were like oh it's a safe place you know and some people might think like you you guys are crazy right the swings and, and everything and all the stress 
what stress? I mean, I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful place for me. Every time I'm playing, I'm enjoying it. Okay, not every time. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's painful, right? We've all been there. But on average, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to play poker. That's that's a blessing. But we know that. And yet who who talks about it? Like, where can you get the inspiration, right? There this used is to exact, be- exact, yeah, you're hitting on literally a fucking point I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is like, where, where, where does that come from, right? Like where, who, who's saying, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, you know, it ain't so, it ain't really ain't that bad, but these people make it out like it's just the worst thing of all time. And like, listen, guys, go work a job. I mean, that shit's going to be stressful for you working some of the other things. Like that, playing poker, being able to fix your own schedule. I just think that, I think that poker players learned to approach things as a degenerate from the our forefathers right like the guys up all night they're like not taking care of themselves like all these different things like that and when you don't take care of yourself for 10 years or eight years or seven years and you stop trying to grow at your game and stop trying to get better and stop trying to improve and you lose that sense of goals and the people around you become negative they start losing like i think that negative morale spreads throughout a community and a group of people. And of course, as the opportunities decrease potentially for some of these players, then I mean, a lot of these guys don't work at their fucking game. I think that's really what it comes down to, right? They just don't, they don't work at their game. They're not trying to get better. And they maybe won before, but then over time the habits develop, they lose the, they lose the passion for it. And then they're negative and they stick around for a while. They bring other people down and then other people, maybe, you know, they don't work at their game either. And, and, and it's like the people that are working at their game, maybe aren't sharing that they're working at their game. Like they're mm-hmm. not talking about it that much. So, yeah, I don't know. But then again, like there's just so many people creating content and people are watching it that like clearly there's still interest, but it's like there's not much interest outside of that scope it almost feels like. And maybe that's a function of like there's just nothing really interesting to pay attention to for people that they haven't seen before. So, you know, I don't really know. I don't, I, I guess I, I don't, I don't, don't really know exactly what, what the, if there is one really, maybe there isn't one and it's just all made up sort of thing. Yeah. Because, like, I, I get a feeling that, you know, whatever content is being created, most of it is focused on study this. That's the new approach. Da, 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 da. Improve your game. Improve your game. You know, self-help, um, whatever. Same same old, same old, right? Whereas back in the day, like, I mean, you used to watch, like, high-stakes poker on TV. And it would be like, wow, this is amazing. These guys are having fun. Uh, it's actually, like, it looks awesome. Look mm-hmm. at them. Right, it's inspirational, and I like. How are you going to get inspired by somebody showing you charts and uh, you know percentages? And here's the range where you're supposed to play in the check raise on a turn uh, in this line. Right, it's not. I mean, it's it's awesome, but it's not sexy. Right, it's not going to inspire anybody. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I don't. I don't even know. I don't know because I was thinking about like if I did a series on me like learning poker. Right, I couldn't really put what I'm studying in there because it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's fun, right? Like people don't find studying with solvers and charts fun. And mm-hmm. that's what a lot of these things came down. And that's what some Doug Polk was really good at was like, he was good at making it fun because he wasn't using charts, even though he was basically talking about how a chart would play. Mm-hmm. He was just explaining it in a way that wasn't on the chart. And then he would also work in some jokes and you have a good time. He'd needle some people, he'd call some plays bad. He'd say some players, you know, whatever, like, right. So he was willing to kind of take some shots and do things like that and have a fun time with it too. So I think that he was a unique person in, in that front of things. And, um, but yeah, I agree. Right. Like it doesn't, 
I think it still does, but I don't know. I think it's just like the people that watch these vloggers, they think they're having fun. So they see those things as fun, but maybe the gameplay now with people that they don't know, maybe they don't find that fun anymore, mm. right? They don't, they don't have any idea who these people are. So if the option is to watch somebody you know play or watch somebody you don't know play, I think these people just say, oh, I'd rather watch somebody I know play. Yeah, I guess. But still, I mean, at least the vloggers, they're actually doing some good stuff for the industry. I mean, I, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I guess we don't have that many in Europe, but um, I mean, Europe is right now, I don't know, maybe it's just me with my winter mood, but it just seems, you know, the Germany with their stupid regulation. And yeah, I called out Germany for mm-hmm. their stupid regulation because imagine like you're planning your life. Because I, I recently talked to a couple of my friends who are um, high stakes German pros who chose to go to Germany and live in Germany and pay the 45% tax on their income. So they're basically having their, uh, let's say you're playing 10K, hold them. You're basically paying 5K and the government is getting 5K free roll, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing deal. So they chose to do it because they want to live in that country. They want to, you know, that's where the roots are. That's where they feel comfortable, et cetera, et cetera. As opposed to just, so many options like just go to austria go to malta go to here 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 whatever you want right they chose to stay and then out of the blue with no warning it's shut down right you mm-hmm. like the regulations are just pretty much you can't play high stakes poker you can still play mid stakes poker not a big deal uncomfortable not as it used to be not so nice but still doable but for a high stakes pro and it's so annoying. Imagine you're doing everything right. You're paying the taxes. You're you're, and you're planning your life. I mean, if you chose to go live in that country, pay taxes for like five years, you obviously want to keep doing it for a long time. You want to, you know, stay there. You don't want just okay. They changed the regulation. I'm going to move now because in the first place, you basically went there to stay there. So now you're in a tricky spot. Okay, am I quitting because they changed the regulations, or do I change my life? And it's out of the blue and it feels so unfair. I mean, that specific part feels really unfair to me because it's different if like your country doesn't have uh, strict regulations on poker or defined regulations. Like taxation is a question mark. You don't really know, should I pay taxes? Should I not pay taxes? Then nobody can really be surprised when all of a sudden they change regulation big time and you say, yeah, okay, well, sure. It wasn't clear before. Now it's clear and it's not very good. But in Germany, you had this perception of like, well, at least it's clear. At least I, I know what I'm doing. You know, everything's above board. And then, oh, no, it wasn't because mm-hmm. we just decided to change it. And it's just, I don't know, makes me sad. Really. Yeah, it does. I mean, this uh, same thing, man, it makes me real sad thinking about how, you know, I'm in this. I'm, I've been working so hard for this like uh, game or industry in like a country that you can't even play the game really, right? I mean, you can, of course, right? You can play on these sites, but, you know, you can't really advertise. Like, it's just, it's run so strange, you know? It's run so weird. You look at everything else that's happened out there. And now that I've been studying more finance and, you know, understanding like how these companies work and you start, how you, when you start up companies and how payouts work for those companies and then all these different financial worlds and then the investing world, which is just crazy. It's basically like you find good deals and you make bets on them and you don't have to play like the playing is the research and you do a little gambling and you find really good bets. And then you, 
run well that way. So it's like, once you learn the investing game and like the wealth game, you're sort of like, oh man, you know, wow. First of all, it's, it's rather straightforward. And, uh, you know, second of all, like, wow, maybe I should be in the, involved in this. Like, this is what everyone's playing. Everyone in the world's playing this game. They're all about this game. They're all excited for this game. Like they're ready to do well at this game. Whereas like in poker, it doesn't sometimes feel like people are ready to do well. They're just sort of like, whatever, like I'm just fine doing whatever. And mm-hmm. you get into that world and like people are excited. There's hype, there's opportunity. You know, people feel like there's something there. And I guess people do feel like there's something in poker. Like GG Poker feels that way, right? I think that that's the thing is I think there is a lot of opportunity in poker. It's just about creating it and doing it. And that's what I plan to do this year. So I'm going to tackle some of these issues. Like I'm going to put another, put some more time into this, figure it out and get my operations in order for what I'm doing, get my roadmap in order in terms of like how my process is and maybe what I want to spend my time on and earn income and create things that people enjoy, right? Create value out of content, create value out of entertainment hopefully products I create people are going to enjoy as well too. And uh, yeah, I just really want to give that a, a real shot of handling things the right way and doing things the right way. And uh, that's sort of what I'm focused on this year is just getting my mind, my body, my soul, my habits, everything into order to do that. But it's uh, obviously like, you know, it's a, it's a lot to think about sometimes. So sometimes it gets tougher when other factors come into your emotional energy ball, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you've mentioned several times, like the money uh, in the other industries, just being on a different level than it is in, in poker. And it's it's actually funny. I've been thinking about it recently. Well, somewhat recently. Let's say your story, right? You got into poker, you made 1K and you said, oh, you know what? There's a big trajectory here. This is awesome. I made 1K. It's, it's amazing, right? It's It's more money than you saw before. Sounds huge. You know, and then you get to the point sometime in your career when you're like, oh, I made 100K this month. Mm -hmm. And somebody from a bigger industry, somebody who would look at you and say, oh, you invested so many years of your life, like full dedication, good discipline, et cetera, et cetera. You made 100. Well, that's really cute. It's really cute. Right. Because it's like the money, even when the numbers become big. It's nothing special. I mean, poker is not an easy way to make money. It's not an easy way to to make a living. If you happen to enjoy it as we do, it's just there's nothing better, right? You're doing something that you really like to do and mm-hmm. you're getting money for that. Well, it shouldn't even be legal in in a way, right? It's just too much fun to be to be true. But at the same time, I mean, you look at some other industries and it's just a different different pond right you feel mm-hmm. like yeah you this little niche of poker but that's the beauty of it right because the freedom that it gives a certain type of people but also it's not all good right because let's think about because I, I i talked with quite a few players recently on the topic of how did poker sort of mold you mold who you are, your personality, change the worldview, because it does change your worldview, because you're out of the normal rat race, you're out of the normal confinement of what everybody else, like a group thing, sort of thing, because you're out there on, on your own, out there for yourself, and you you see how much variance influences pretty much everything, all aspects of life. You know, you become numb to some of it, you become more 
skeptical about some things. Um, so it really changes you. How do you think poker changed you or defined you? Yeah, good question. Don't know. Good question. Never thought about that one, really. It definitely obviously changes your worldview, especially like when you're inside and you're just playing on your computer all day long and you like watch poker and look at poker and all you think about is poker. So yeah, I mean, I think it just, yeah, that's a really good question. I've never thought about that. Don't know. It's just everyone has their own worldview anyway. So it's like however your upbringing was and that's going to impact it and, and what you pay attention to, the content you watch and what you learn and all these different things. So yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if poker, how much poker infected. I think working on that Mike Postle thing that impacted my worldview because you saw like the, like the legal system and you saw like media and then you saw like, you know, how they handle things. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen, you know? And then you're like, oh, well, like I'm a part of it. And you're like, well, how the fuck did that happen? Why am I a part of this sort of thing like that? You know, you didn't, I didn't see it going to where it went, turning and what it turned into with that whole thing. And uh, then I was like, well, how did this happen? You know, and then I started like really starting to like dissect why this happened and why this took the play of the place it did. And I was like, oh man, you know, I just was so naive to a lot of things and I'm still naive to so many different things also just on how incentive structures work. And um, yeah, just like what's out there. I mean, especially with like the whole legal system and stuff like that, you know, you start to realize that it's not really what you thought it was. You know, you think someone might be doing something and get a proper investigation, like, you know, not really how it works out. So, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's all that combined with coronavirus, combined with media study, combined with really like looking into how a lot of these corporations really incorporate the whole entire corp idea of corporation really, really all this stuff really stuck with me hard. So, mm. so yeah impacted the worldview that's a good question i think more on that so if we think about it like most of your life or professional life really is poker right so take poker away what's left like what's what's there hiding behind that poker face of yours right yeah is that something you know, this is something that that is you, you know, whatever you do, it is you. And that that journey, that poker journey that you've been through and obviously all the other things that you've been doing and investing your time and diving deep into, they leave a mark in a way and they define well, who you are and how you see the world in, in many ways, right? Because, I mean, obviously with doing some of these things uh some of this publicity you grew skeptical um as you've just mentioned that you know you've been disillusioned about some of the incentives in the industry and how things actually work and uh, you know publicly somebody's saying one thing but in reality if you dig deep are they really doing it and uh, what's going on there behind the scenes and you know you expose yourself in to it and then then you have to live with it right I, I said, I, I said, I, this is what I set out to learn though. <laughs> I set out to learn. I was like, how does this work? And then I learned how it worked. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it's like that whole knowing, knowing ignorance is bliss sort of thing like that in some ways. And, uh, mm. you know, but once again, right. Like, like I said, it's just, uh, I'm kind of like impacted by what happened to me last night and, and my thoughts change often. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm sort of had these feelings for 
a while now. So basically I'm trying to reverse the process. I'm trying to get rid of the negative thoughts or any sort of like ideas like that and just sort of embrace what my opportunity is and make the most of it and learn what my opportunity is as well too. And uh, yeah, pick a path, pick a focus, really focus on it this year, get after it, build some great friendships and uh, build great relationships with my family, build my business up, get really, 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 really good at investing and understanding the financial system take care of any problems I have. And uh, yeah, hopefully in the process, people enjoy following along with it. And hopefully I make some good content people enjoy. And hopefully I bring positivity to the community overall through whatever it is that I do. So that's sort of the outlook I'm taking on this year. And, uh, you know, I got a lot of faith. I got faith something will happen in terms of like opportunity for for poker, for myself, for the people involved in it. Like someone's going to come up with something. I just think it's a matter of time. Yeah, it's tough. But I mean, listen, all, all it, to get back on track, all you got to do is just do it, right? Like I made my first edited video today in since August. And that was like a big hurdle for me was just like getting a video out, getting this video out specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking stupid to think about it. But now that I did it, I already have some tremendous ideas. I haven't really even talked about myself at all in any of my stuff. So when I start talking about this stuff more publicly, which I don't know how deep I'll go on things, but you know, people are going to be attacked, attached to it. They're going to like it because it's like real shit. And mm-hmm. it's things that everyone's going through, especially right now with everyone's worldview being completely shaken up in all different directions. Like people don't know how to think about themselves or work or career or idea or, or family or friends or anything. Like We're all sort of like figuring these things out anew together in some ways. So I feel like when I start talking about this, I think mental health is like massively trending right now. Oh, and yeah. like, it's a huge fucking trend on TikTok and on Instagram. And like, you can tell like where the direction are going. People are more aware of this kind of stuff. They're more willing to say like, yeah, like, you know, I don't fucking feel good. And I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. And uh, hey, where can I find some people that understand this? Where can I find some people that relate to me? And I think that in poker, we don't really have many people sharing that perspective and do i want to be one of the people that shares that perspective in some ways yes but also in other ways no because it's very vulnerable to do that when you put yourself out there that level and then you know who knows what comes from that right like not putting it out there you understand what comes from that putting it out there could be positive but it could be negative things too you never really know Mm. so that's going to be a bit of both knowing how how anything you do publicly goes. Yeah. Right? There's going to be there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming out of it, and there's going to be a lot of well, the bad stuff is really. I mean, it depends how you deal with it, right? Because nothing is good or bad by definition. It's how you how you deal with it, really. I mean, okay, some things are good and bad, right? <laughs> but but in general, like in the in a sense of somebody making a comment, I mean, it's it's neither evil or a work of an angel. It's just somebody's opinion. And I mean, sure, it's really nice to hear great opinions and uh, it's really nice to, to hear good constructive feedback. Uh, and it's always a bit upsetting to hear some shitty, stupid thing. Right. Yeah. Especially when you back to that, right. It goes back to that. You know, it's just like being, I mean, it's hard not to be consumed by that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, I don't know if anyone like, even if people say, don't be, don't think about those sorts of things like that, you know, I find that hard. I mean, maybe some people can, like, you got to be pretty, you got to be pretty like closed off to those. I mean, I don't know. That's like, you got to be real disconnected with things and 
to be able to handle it like that. I think be able to handle the, the feedback from people that they give you mm. yeah, positive I, and negative. Yeah. And it's funny how, you know, you can read like five positive comments and then there's going to be this one, one bad one. <laughs> steaming yeah a little bit yeah i don't even know if the, i think like the positive comments sort of get to me too oh yeah absolutely to me too i mean I, like, I, oh. I like to hear um uh, you know because it's inspiring in a way because especially the way we do this right when you're not doing it for the big buck or you know for somebody some corporation or some bigger agenda here you're just doing it because you like what you do and to hear that people actually enjoy you're like I knew that this is going to be useful for somebody and this is why I'm yeah. doing it, right? Because otherwise we would just have this conversation, we wouldn't put it out there, right? We would still have the conversation, but it wouldn't be out there. And to know that you know, somebody actually finds value in it and somebody finds inspiration or opens their eyes to something that they're... Because everybody's dealing with some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's exactly. dealing with something and it's just to see... like That's why I like the long form conversations, you know, because we're living in a world of, you know, the Instagram pictures and a Twitter, this and et cetera. Everybody like in their feed, everybody's life is so fucking amazing. Except it's really not. I mean, it's very rare that somebody's actually that amazing and happy and they're not dealing with anything. Right. Everybody's dealing with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, I think for me, I've just, uh, you know, I'm just not being patient. basically what it comes down to about this kind of stuff. So just like lacking patience a little bit, I'm sort of like have high expectations for different metrics in terms of like my own output and, um, I guess everything. Right. So it's just, I know it comes in time. Like content is a real consistent thing. Like it's a consistent now, now more than ever, you got to be consistent because there's everyone else is being consistent and they're finding new, everyone's getting better at being the content creator, right? Like people are understanding how to speak properly. They move their hands, they upgrade the different elements that a broadcast can have. They partner with people. They get smarter at attracting attention. They start to build up connections with the audience. Like everyone's getting smarter at this stuff and more people are getting onto the platforms and everything like that. So it's like, there is a there is a proven way to do it and it's just a matter of you doing it and dealing with whatever comes from that and that's what i plan to do this year is to do that so i'm going to try some fucking crazy shit this year i'm going to try some interesting things i'm going to fire at them i just uh it's just patience really it just takes time like i got to get a habit of managing a business and managing workers and dear god outsourcing things right you know i do everything myself i'm sure like you said you have some edits for you but yeah, you know, that's sort of what I'm focused on now. It's just like, man, just mm. being patient, really being patient, not needing it everything right now. And um just knowing that's gonna knowing that it'll work out how how I want it to work out. Yeah. Outsourcing is uh is huge. I always struggle with it because I I mean, most poker players get this feeling like I can do anything. I can do anything Absolutely. and everything. And you end up doing a lot and then burning out in the, in the process, which is so stupid and unhealthy, but, um, yeah. It's an interesting, it'd be an interesting thought. Why do successful poker players think they can do anything? Well, first of all, I don't, I don't know if it's really true. It's just a lot of people that I know and I know myself get a 
sort of get this feeling. A sort of confidence that I can crack it. Like, give me time. I can learn mm-hmm. it. I can crack it. I can do it. I can do, do it better than mm-hmm. somebody else. And that's, that's another problem with, you know, delegating. When you delegate to somebody, I mean, in the, in the beginning, they probably need some time to get into it, get into the groove to understand what you're actually right doing what are you actually looking for right right and then it's too easy to just say i know but fuck it i could do it better myself (laughs) yeah and it's just so well it's a trap really because if if you go that route then you always end up doing everything yourself and uh, you know what's uh, that's not gonna it's not scalable it's not gonna lead you anywhere exactly exactly it isn't scalable exactly that's i've been reading a lot about listening to how people think about that and and uh frame that sort of stuff and how they think about the idea. Like they almost like make the creative process, the team building. And uh, that's what this creative process is like. I got to get a guy who I can teach how to do this or like, they'll just write like that's, that's the challenge is picking that person, picking those people to work with. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. versus being hands-on with what they're doing. It's, um, it's real interesting. I mean, you know what? I always think like, especially with what I do publicly, right. I'm like, how much do I really want to talk business? Because for some reason, people like get really weird when you start talking business. And uh, even if like it's your fans and they're like, if for some reason, it's just more, it's more accepted to like be about business in other industries, it feels like. Like this guy, Mr. Beast, like does all this crazy shit. He starts a hamburger chain and they're like, this guy, oh, it's so sick. Like the guy's just, the guy's literally just printing millions of dollars from this fucking deal that he did where he licensed his brand to these like pop-up kitchens who have infrastructure in place all around the United States and they handle logistics for him. And all he does is, I mean, he built the brands, I'd say all he does, but he basically built the brand at some point, decided I'd like to monetize through hamburgers and French fries. So it's like, well, that's, everyone's like, oh, dude's so smart. Like I'm in a lot of communities where like, that is the smartest business move. Like they look at that move and they like, oh, that's smart. Whereas it's almost like in poker, if someone does like a business move, like, you know, they're like, oh, this guy's just making vids for like to promote his business. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, you hear that comment a lot, you know, it's like, oh, this guy's just making a video because he wants to sell his training course or he wants just doing this because he wants to make money. And like, it's sort of like looked down upon for these creators to, to make a living with their business by either creating a product for themselves or part like, you know, Doug, or they used to always say about Doug, Doug's just doing this for clicks. He just want to, just wants to get people to his business. Like it was a, like, this was a, a negative thing, mm-hmm. right? It was a negative thing that he was doing these things. This wasn't how it should be done or anything like that. So I find that rather interesting that that seems to be the viewpoint in poker. And maybe it's been that way for a while. So it's just sort of like, that's the accepted standard. And I do think it's changing as well. And I think it'll change once, once certain people present, a solution that is accepted by the community, which can only be done by a few number of people or be very high quality. And that seems to be a challenge for people to create, right? I mean, World Series Poker is really fucking up badly. Like they could not give a fuck about the customer, it appears to me, right? They might say they do care, they're trying their best. Like to me, I just see, you see so many issues, right? You see this long ass line in 2020, 2019, whatever, and that's sort of indicative to me of like, this is your process. You wait in three hours in a line to register. And like, some people know you can do it online. Some people don't, but there's not some sort of like, 
easy online onboarding process for you to register for tournaments, right? There's, there's the same, the same Las Vegas vendors who have five vendors in fashion show mall who, who sell this product. That's like, you know, very debatable quality in terms of what it does, what it is, right? Like you're the world's first poker. You can partner with the biggest brands in the entire fucking world if you wanted to. So it just goes to show like, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just real disheartening, right? It's real disheartening because you sort of see it's out of your control in some ways. And now it's like, okay, well then someone needs to make that event, but you don't make that event that comes 60 years in the making that has legacy and allure to it. That goes back to Benny Binion and Doyle Brunson and Stu Unger and Phil Hellmuth. And now there are no moments that take place where people even talk about there's not a world series of moment that really stands out outside of me. Will Kasuf being a fucking idiot and, and uh, having this like verbal banter with Griffin banger sort of thing like that. So, you know, it's like the moments aren't being necessarily created anymore by those companies. Like, well, then the new companies become other people who create moments. And once again, those are kind of like the vloggers, Doug Polk, Dan Negreanu, like, they're sort of World Series of Poker, but they don't really care to be that. They're not trying to put on things for other people like that. To that standpoint, they are putting out content. They're putting up, trying to get attention for their brand because they want to maximize the value potentially they can bring to their future products and services and companies that pay for their services. But I don't know how much they're doing these things with the community in mind in terms of providing something like that back for the people. So. And plus now it's shut down. It's locked down in the United States. I can't play in California. Like people aren't playing poker anymore. So, and there doesn't appear to be a real end in sight for that. So when you combine all these things together, then you look at the pivots that have been done since it's been locked down. Like, you know, it just, it's real easy to be like questioning sort of what's happening and what's going on and all those kind of things like that. And I just feel this so much because I'm so consumed by it that mm -hmm. I just like see these trends taking place and I'm sort of like scared for the future trend. And like, I look where we're at now and I'm like, man, you know, but I got, I got some ideas for what I'll do to try to solve these things. And I think, I think a few of them are going to, going to fucking crush. I think all, I think all three are going to just dominate. So just a matter of getting them done. I can't wait, wait to hear or see or experience the things that you are going to create. Because you know what? You have such a huge audience that you've built, right? And you said like, ah, you know, damn it. I didn't do it properly. I didn't do it the right way. I didn't monetize it. I didn't do et cetera, et cetera. But you know, one, one school of thought is sort of focus on building the audience above all else. Focus mm -hmm. on the audience above, above the money. You sort of did it to the T, perhaps a bit too long, right? So, but exactly. you have yeah. an audience. And the thing is, yeah, what, what you do and the passion that you bring to the content that you create, it's, that's, that's the special thing about yeah. you, right? Because, I mean, to create one video, Hell, anybody can create one video, mm -hmm. right? And it might be better than anything you or I or anybody else can make. But to make consistent content with some direction, which resonates with people, it takes so much work and so, so much dedication that you really have to love what you're doing. So first of all, you have to love poker enough 
to be doing mm-hmm. it in the poker industry. And then you have to care about the poker community and the poker dream enough to actually make it for the sort of greater good in a way, right? Because if you're just selfishly motivated about, you know, I wouldn't be talking about a lot of stuff that I'm talking about as well, because like, hey, why am I reducing my EV? Why am I closing my doors on some opportunities? Why am I divulging some things, right? But I like it. I mean, I I just like to talk about it. I like the feeling of just hearing people's stories, people reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know what? This was a good idea because it might be like a three-hour conversation and there's one idea that inspires them to do something or look at the game in a different way or look at Mm -hmm. their life in a different way. So that was worth it, right? Mm -hmm. But if you come from a place of like, yeah, I'm only here to make the maximum EV. I'm only here to make the maximum money. You'll probably end up doing content for some other industry, not the poker industry. Because you don't I mean, have to deal with so much shit with people going to be screaming like, ah, oh, you sold your soul and now you're just doing it for the money, et cetera, et cetera. Shame on you, Joey. You know, you don't have to deal with it if you all of a sudden you're, you're doing, I don't know, playing Among Us for money or something like that, right? Everybody's like, oh, well done you. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. They love it. They, they're like, I'm happy to subscribe to your channel and support it and all these kind of things like that. And like I said, I do, I do think it's changing. And um you know, I think is like if you give back to the community of people, like if you are, that's what I plan to do. Like I always say now, if I like when I end up having a large amount of money, like I'm investing it in the poker world, man. Like I see where the investments could be placed at right now that I think would be the most valuable return. But I just need to get the capital first to do that, whether it's my own or whether I borrow it or whether I find someone to to go in with me on whatever these things are. So I sort of see where it is. And I, and I probably do need to partner with somebody because like you need to partner with someone good. You can't do this stuff yourself. So in poker, those partners come from people with budgets and the people with budgets are the big operators or the the best training sites really, right? Or, or the most the most successful players or the people outside of poker who don't, who are business people in general, right? So it's like, to be able to create these experiences or this moment or this content or like what I envision being able to give back, I think just like respecting the poker customer is something that isn't done anymore. There's just complete disrespect for these people. And at least that's the perception I have. And I think other people have is like, these sites don't care about you, right? These people don't care about you. Like I care too much in some ways about like trying to help every problem out. I'm like, I fucking, you know, I was talking the other day. Like I just, I just do try to do a lot of things behind the scenes, way too much stuff. And um, that came from a function of doing things publicly and seeing what turned out. And uh, so I just sort of, you know, I just feel the disrespect these companies have. World Series Poker especially. Just completely disrespectful, man. Really like treating people like, like just whatever. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's how things work. I just didn't know it worked that way, right? Poker stars, they sell to Amaya. Amaya changes their name, shifts perception, gets a new CEO. Like, you know, it's just like, okay, well, now we, we sort of see Dan Negreanu, you pay him money and he's going to say what he even tells, tell him what to say, right? What's Gigi's newest thing? He says what he's got to say, right? And that's, I understand why he does that. Totally get it, right? Easy way out. Fuck it. I get it. 
right? Whatever. You guys are helping me. I'm helping you. Cool. We're supporting each other. You're financially incentivizing me. You're helping me stay relevant. You're helping me make content. You're helping me stick around for a while. You're providing me a lot of value. I'm providing you a lot of value with my name brand and my support and me doing content for you. So I get why he would do that. I totally do. Like, why would he give a fuck about all these other issues, right? Why would that guy care about professional poker players? For what? Are the professional poker players funding this guy's life and existence? No. So at the time, I couldn't understand why this guy was saying essentially fuck the pros, like recreational, it's all recreational stuff. But now I have a much better understanding of where that guy's coming from. I understand why he did that. It's not a fun road being anti-corporation and being on the player side, right? There's just a lot of things aren't going to get fixed. There's always going to be issues. They're never going to go away. It's always going to be somebody unhappy. So to say, hey, well, that's going to be take place, but I'll also be able to get support from my life and from my family and from my friends. But it comes at the extent of this. I've already been doing this for 15 years. Fuck it. I totally understand it now. It makes a lot more sense. So that comes back to the way I think about things. And I, I just, I want to treat the community and customers, people that are playing poker with respect. And, and um, you know, I want to try to create things, events for them that they really enjoy that give them that special feeling that that gives us when we play and when we go through these events. But when you don't own a gameplay platform, there's only a limited amount of things you can do. So that's basically the point you need to get to is you need to own the gameplay. You need to partner with the gameplay or you need to put the gameplay on somehow Mm -hmm. to be able to give people those moments because content can do something. And that's what I plan to do with content, but events are a different story. So that's also where I plan to get more involved in as well. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, what you mentioned about uh, Negreanu, um, in a way, selling his soul, as some people would say, right? but uh, at the same time, totally understandable because like, what is the point of going through the struggle, struggle of, I'm going to do everything for the pros. I'm just going to create a site like, hey, Galfon, what did he do? I'm going to create a site for the pros. I'm going to create like for the community. What did the community do? Oh my God, Galfon, that sounds amazing. Go for it, create it, and then nobody plays it. Yeah. Right? So amazing. Well, fine. You guys asked for it. He delivers. And everybody's like, well, where are the recreational players? Where are the games? I want this. I want that. I want Rakeback. I want, you know, a black card. I want a Lambo in the shop or whatever. You know, I want, I want, I want. What are you, what are you willing to give, mm-hmm. right? Why a poker player should give something if they have a choice to just go to a site which is going to give him, you know, all the all that he needs. You know, good game selection, good games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I guess well, eventually, like, yeah, I, I want you to finish that point, but I want to touch. I can answer that question right right away. Yeah, well, go ahead because basically the point is. Is done. <laughs> they got really bad. Their marketing's just not very good. I think that's what right. it comes down to. Is that like they're 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 like a startup basically, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're in the first couple of years, they're working with a tool belt that doesn't have all its tools. They only have cash games. They don't have tournaments. Tournaments are what attract these big prize pools, recreations to the table. And then on top of that, they're not necessarily very good at marketing. They don't necessarily understand how to write create these things that are going to get momentum or get people paying attention or get people talking about it. 
you know, Phil's not a big self-promoter. He's not out there like Doug. You know, Doug is a self-promoter. Doug shows you what's possible. If Doug Polk was running a poker site, it'd be the most popular poker site in the fucking world because that guy is going to do things to get attention that you're not going to do. And Phil Goffon's not going to do it. And a lot of people aren't going to do it because they're like, fuck, man. That guy's like, but he's focused on the business. He's like, how do I maximize my business here? Right. I'm coming out here and do a great job, give my customers value and grow my business, expand my business, make money for my business. That's why he's playing Dan DeGrano because he thinks it's a good opportunity to make a lot of money for his business. So I think right at once they have a marketing problem. And that's what you see, you saw in a lot of poker companies. But what's happening now is that there's more competition. So mm -hmm. these companies, poker stars, especially, you, I mean, you could, I, you, I might even break it down publicly just for everyone, break down all the strategies because poker stars upgraded fast. GG poker is coming on quick. They're sharp. There goes guys are sharp, right? The guy running GG poker and the people that are on there, they're, they're not, they're not doing things that everyone else used to do. They're saying like, these guys suck, right? That's why they started this. Cause they said, everyone's sucking. Like poker stars sucks. They just happen to have established where they're at, but they're doing the same bullshit. It's the same fucking lobby. It's the same tournaments. It's right. It's like, it's all the same shit. They, they bring up a few new gimmick formats, right? To kind of cater to a different market of poker player who wants a more recreational experience and have a good time playing. But, but run at once, they, they still need to upgrade that. And they haven't done that yet. So they got, a, they got a marketing issue and that takes time to figure out. That's not easy to fix. Yeah. And What's your opinion on party poker, actually? Because you had a conversation with uh, Robbie Young on it. Yeah, and, like, I... Yeah, I like I like Rob a lot. I like I like Rob a lot. I mean, you know, party poker just seems like once again the same kind of thing. Maybe the people in positions of of things in that situation, they're handcuffed, maybe in terms of what they can do. And they're also under an umbrella with another company, GVC. So I think maybe GVC might have sold it. Who knows? These companies change hands so fast. People, new executives come in, new CEOs come in, like they might just give you a directive to keep doing what you're doing. And I don't know why, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's people that really aren't in the game that are making a lot of these decisions for things. And I think with party, they're really handcuffed by regulation and by the rules they have to follow. Whereas like GG poker might not be following those same set of rules. Therefore, maybe they can try some new things. And also just like the way GG poker's built, poker stars built, party poker built. It seems like poker stars and GG poker have a lot more flexibility with their software. They can add things in, they can edit it, they can make it better, they can make it more modern in terms of 2020 standards of, of gaming. Whereas Party Poker just had an issue with software, maybe getting it up to par where other people think it's on that same level. And also they ruined their brand for many years. They used to be great, they stopped caring. They're essentially in a rebrand trying to communicate a different message to the consumer that we are different people now and that's hard to do. So, and... um yeah, I mean, they have some good ambassadors. They just, you know, could probably do a better job of getting them out there, getting them in front of people, giving them support. And uh, yeah, but I mean, overall, what's the difference between party and GG and poker stars? You still play poker. It's the same shit. It's the same game. You play a tournament. Same thing. Just different software, different feel it gives you, different name it gives you. So there's not much difference between the sites. So you get the same exact thing anywhere. So that's when you know it comes down to marketing and product. and. And, uh, you know, that's what they're struggling at marketing and product. They have a good, they have, they have marketing, they have a product that might not be as good as everyone else. And they might not be able to access the same markets that other people can.
Mm. Yeah, and access to the market seems to be a big thing as well because like all the marketing in mind but still considering that people are willing to pay higher rate just to play some some games on a seemingly the same software seemingly etc etc but it's not the same when you have a different market pool player pool right and that that sets apart and then obviously sites like party poker they're just bound by obligation to follow the book and it's basically okay some government doesn't want us there we're we're out we're out we're out eventually like you're left in this little confined space of um, a very regulated stale market sort of yeah absolutely man absolutely i mean that's that's it's a struggle right and then you need right the right people in morale's hurt right you, the things aren't working out they're not successful you don't really know what to do you don't know where to turn you want to give things time to develop but it's challenging. It's not easy to do. So I, you know, I empathize with all these companies and all these different people. And, and, uh, but I think like once the competition does it well, you just watch what they do. I don't think anyone in poker has done it well. So mm. once someone comes in and starts doing it well, everyone else will copy pretty quickly. Yeah. And also like, if we think about it, like we talk company, 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 but there's people behind the company, right? And if you're talking about a huge company, which has a track record, et cetera, et cetera, to try to change it just because somebody has this brilliant idea and he comes up, comes up with his PowerPoint presentation and says, hey, guys, we've been doing this wrong for years. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And you have a team of like hundreds of people who now have to buy into this stuff and execute it. And there's a lot of people who are not willing to change, who are not willing to take the risk. They have their cushy jobs, right? Because some of these guys, like, let's face it. I mean, people in a normal job, there's like, well, you know what, if my company is going to go bad and, you know, the business ends, well, I got another job lined up. No worries. But I'm not going to risk getting fired just for some nutty idea, which nobody else wants to buy into because everybody's sort of in the same wheel of guys, you know what, we've just been doing this. It's been working. Don't break it. Let's try a little bit here, a little bit here, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like from one perspective, yeah, company, but I mean who's behind the company, right? All the people. And it's not only the, the biggest manager, right? Not, not only the CEO, not only the board, not only the... Yeah, I mean, there's so many people involved and everybody has their livelihood. Everybody has their zone of comfort as well. Like, I mean, you're, you're used to showing up nine in the morning and you, you have your to-do list. Okay, I have to do this. I have to send an email there, and et cetera, et cetera. You don't really want to show up one day and it's like, okay, now there's a new playbook. Here we go. And now 16 hour days, let's go. Your bonus depends on it. Oh, and your job depends on it as well. So good luck. Absolutely, man. You're, 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 you're spot on about this, dude. You're spot on about this. I've talked to these people and yeah, I don't think there's much continued education on modern standards in terms of what's happening in different places as well, too. And um, I mean, to me right now, it really it's like product and marketing, but it's also operations and you need to put the right people in operations in order to execute on newer or up-to-dated strategies. And I think that's what we see is that people are in, in positions of power. This is why GG Poker is doing really well is that people, and in addition to other reasons, right? But people in positions of power are making decisions that aren't necessarily as educated in terms of what the current way to get attention is on these different platforms. And the idea of content creation being a new thing as well too for a lot of these people as well. So it's like mm. each platform sort of has a different approach until you learn that 
you're going to struggle. And then from there, you need to learn the approach. You need to bring the right people. You need to hire the right people. You need to give them belief, have an idea. And then you need to fire people that are on your team. You might not want to do that. You might actually work with you for a long time. You just don't want to get rid of them. They're not thinking big enough. Like I heard one company I talked with uh, outside of poker. They said we had to fire our marketing guy. He wasn't thinking big enough. You know, he was more local. We wanted to go national. So a lot of these companies, maybe they're also just fine where they're at too. You know, they don't, there's no directive to do anything different. They're making money, whatever, it's fine. So every company's different. We can't decide. Every company needs to decide they want to do this. They want to do that. Every person, right? As you said, people like if the incentive structure is in place where there is no reason to really go above and beyond. And when you do go above and beyond, you don't get any sort of like recognition for it anyway, or some sort of anything for it, then why would you want to go above and beyond in some ways? Yeah. You try it a few times. It doesn't work out. You don't get appreciated. You just say, oh, well, I'm not going to do that again. Hmm. So I imagine that happens in some of these places too. But also in poker, there's just such a small sample size. It's like three to six companies and no one else can get involved. You know what I'm saying? Like hmm. no one else can join. It's just these guys. So, or you can, but the barrier to entry is massive. And that's why the home games sort of do well. So I don't know, man, these application sites are going to make a push. They're going to get bigger too. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting what, what's going to happen. But, you know, if they make a big push, it means that the big player is really fucked up. <laughs> because, I mean, they're in a position where... But then again, you know, it's, it's so scary to make a change. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, you're, you're finding it scary. And everybody finds it scary to just stop being a poker player, full-time poker player, to do something else. And you're coming from a position of financial stability. You don't have to worry about like, oh my God, I'm going to leave this job. What am I going to do? How am I going to put my uh, foot on the table, right? That's not even part of the equation. And, and still it's uncomfortable. And for some people to make a decision, like imagine back in the day, uh, one day, it's not so long ago, really, when they decide, okay, we'll get, get rid of Supernova Elite. Imagine that conversation in the team. Yeah. I mean, that, there were a lot of people who believed in the Supernova Elite, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, this is what we're doing now. That's a tough conversation. Imagine having that type of conversation every few years. Let's try a new thing. Let's try this. Let's try that. Right. So eventually, it seems like some of the bigger companies just sort of sink into that swamp of, okay, let's just do the safe thing. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Let's let's not get fired first and foremost, right? Let's not, yeah. you know, go too crazy. Because if you think about, you know, the approaches of, of the companies, you've mentioned like how aggressive and risk-taking uh, GG is, right? I, I mean, you obviously saw that at some point it seemed like they had a 12-year-old running their Twitter account, right? It was just absolutely ridiculous. I think like, what the fuck? How, how did this happen? Like, what, what, what were you thinking, right? But, well, they've been th thinking sort of outside the box. Like, okay, well, this guy seems to know his way around Twitter. So let's, let's see what he can do, right? It doesn't work right. out. Okay, probably, probably let's get another guy. Imagine making that decision in a, in a company like PokerStars, right? So many heads would fall. And so, so it's like, I mean, it's just, different place yeah but that's i mean that's the corporate the corporate world world um anywhere really i mean it's not only poker yeah. industry it's just you get too big for your own good and then then you're struggling to to stay lean because i mean you are too big and eventually it's a bunch of people depending on on the company doing well 
or they're silently just working their their days out to just you know get the next job land somewhere in a in a more comfortable place yeah yeah i I imagine there'll be different business structures put in place like corporate structures company structures i think people are going to innovate on that idea and figure out new ways to be able to do something like this and um you know, yeah, in poker specifically, though, I mean, like with all this said, I think there is still more action than ever. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of sites you could play. There's a lot of ways to get games. There's a lot of tournaments. There's big prize pools. It's easier to get better than ever. It's easier to find people to study with than ever. So like there's a real, there's more content than ever, right? There's more people to connect to. Mm-hmm. So I do think there is a lot of reason to be rather positive about it, too. So. There's also some things, but but if you've been in it for so long, it's just you sort of have this history with it, you know, poker stars and party poker and full tilt and ultimate bet. Like people that have been around for over 10 years, been through a fucking roller coaster with these companies, man. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to not have faith in them now. Like GG comes along, you sort of see the writing on the wall. You're like, uh, ACR is there. You're like, uh, you know, it's like the applications. You're like, who knows what's going to happen with that? So it's, it's real easy for us to be skeptical just because we've seen and experienced and been through so much that wasn't positive. Mm-hmm. So we base our future, what's going to happen off of what happened in the past for these other places. And uh, right. just sort of like sitting around waiting for something like that to happen again versus like embracing whatever's around. Mm. And that's a great point you're making because we're basically both of us talking from this like grandpa perspective and I'm in our modern world where the world really changes so much. I mean, look like 10 years ago, there was no, was there Twitter? I don't even know if there was Twitter 10 years ago. I think so. I think there was no one even used it though. Yeah. So anyway, it's like the world changed within a span of 10 years and obviously the business changed. Like all of these companies, there are influence, they're fighting against, you know, like all of a sudden poker stars from having like party poker as their biggest competitor at some point, they probably had like EA Games as their biggest competitor, just fighting for the the time of the people. Like, would you rather play right. poker or would you rather play this super awesome video game when you're exactly, with your exactly. 3D goggles and let's go, right? So the world changed so much as well. And we're just oftentimes looking at it from like a nostalgic perspective of like, ah, you know, the good old days when we could do this and we could play 50,000 hands, um, Mm-hmm. Somebody filming us, you know, we play 20 hours, 50,000 hands, and it's just going to be fun, haha, <laughs> right? Times change, but I mean, we are still, like, our industry is still in a infancy, in a way, and changing with the world and constantly changing, so it's only That's why more I said, I think there's more opportunity than ever, man. I really, like, I can't stress that enough either, is that we just named a lot of problems, like, that's on us to solve them. You know, someone's got to solve them. The people that know the problems and understand the problems are the ones that can solve these problems. That's what GG Poker did is they came in, they saw a solution to a problem that they were just confused why these things were being done this way. And they came up with solutions for what they saw. And that's what they're implementing right now. So I think that goes to show you that like you can, they're going to build a billion dollar company. So it's possible to do it. There is opportunity out there. It's just a matter of getting the infrastructure in place, getting the people mm-hmm. in place to know how to do it, and then doing it, which a lot of us poker players don't know how to do that shit. Yeah. You know, like Doug knew how to do that stuff, but he did a training site. No one else has really shown, Jonathan Little maybe can do it, right? He's got a nice system in place. He built a training site. So I think that once these people graduate to different ideas, then, you know, people like me, people like you, people like everyone else out there who's like sharp people who understand how the world works, 
a little bit until those people who gain a little bit more like business acumen and decide like, Hey, I want to create this for the community. Then, uh, yeah, it's just going to take someone smart. Like Mike Sexton had a vision, right? He found the right person. He found a team to build world poker tour. He mm -hmm. found a team to build party poker. He didn't do it himself. Like poker wasn't built by itself. Poker stars worked with Negrano and the players and moneymaker and ESPN and NBC and all these companies to build poker to what it was. No one person built it. And right now we have a lot of one people trying to build it. And a lot of people getting shut out from that process. So if there's a way to fix that, bring people together and have them all work together with the incentive to, to do something, then I think we'll see, we'll see something real take place. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally with you on that like i think the opportunity there's so much opportunity there and there's i can't even imagine the ways that the industry might develop if all goes well because really i mean we're in a beautiful place right now where as you said it's easier than ever to study to improve to enjoy the game to, to come to love the game and uh i mean let's face it it's just a beautiful game it's been around for a long time and it's evolving we have to also understand like i mean back in the day people used to play stud and then it was uh, limit hold'em and then it was this and then it was that it's fine to change games it's fine to adapt you know people saying like oh my god you know this game is solved completely solved can't play it online anymore well guess what there's other games and if yeah. those all are sold well we can come up with new games same same but different i mean still the concept remains you know you, you you're playing it's one of the most beautiful games. I mean, everybody who plays poker, I mean, on some level, they love the game. I mean, why else would you play it? Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree. I think, I think like the companies have tried to create solutions to these like part, like stars. You know, what's funny is poker stars came up with the solution years ago to like a lot of things I come up with as problems. I'm like, oh, stars already, already kind of addressed that right? About like catering a product to a different market and then trying to have different product offerings for different markets. Like that's, they were on that a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I think like, uh, I think, I mean, I think, I think GG is as well too. Like they sort of see, they see these, a lot of problems and they see a lot of opportunity out there. They see a lot of problems out there. They're trying to create solutions for it. And uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It's uh, I guess it's just about figuring out which one you want to do. You want to be player, you want to be banker, you want to be business, you want to be watched from the side, you want to sit out, you want to get wherever, you know, you kind of, I kind of want to find people that want to, want to contribute. They want to be a part of things that like, that's why I work, like work with the landing kid because he wants to promote poker. He wants to be an ambassador. He loves the game. As you said, it's a beautiful game. I think it's amazing. I love playing it's so much fun. So if we create environments where people have fun, which is kind of what Gigi is trying to do and kind of what stars is trying to do with some of their formats as well, they're trying to create fun formats that people enjoy. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to create fun environments and fun atmosphere and fun games and fun tables that people want to play, then um, I think that's what people want. They want to see people having fun. They don't want to see people sitting there bored out of their mind. So the more that we can communicate fun and, uh, I think we're going to need an ambassador. I really do. I think we're going to need someone that is the, that is great at poker and also young. Like I don't, everyone's old now. So it's like, you need a young person to, to, to bring that energy, bring that spirit, get people inspired, get people hyped up, follow a story. Like everyone's been around for a long time. We already know my story. 
you know, like maybe I can do some stuff with business, but people aren't as interested in business. Phil Galfon started a business. No one gives a fuck, right? Like it's like, you know, maybe they cared before, but they're not checking in now. The business mm -hmm. came, they're not, it's been around for a few years and they're like, I don't have any interest in that. I only want to worry about the best and whatever, right? Like it, it, that's sort of what it seems like. Maybe he writes more blogs. They'd care. I think they'd care a lot about it. I think they do care about it too. It's just, what do they have to engage with besides playing to care about? You know, you got to, got to give them something too. It's where the marketing comes in. You have to put yourself out there as well. Yeah, that's so, a good point. And yeah, I mean, if you study trends, like brands are, brands are voices, brands are people. You can't have a voice with no, your brand with no voice. And right now, the poker world has that for a lot of these companies, but it's changing once again, like GG stars are changing and everyone else will adapt it. Everyone else will catch up. They'll get smarter about it. And um, I guess we'll just see how it all works out. We'll see how it all works out. Mm. You know, I'm gonna be playing a lot of poker this year. So I'll be doing a lot of poker gameplay stuff. Oh, and nice. uh, we'll see how that works out. Nice. And you're going to be posting, I guess, on, on YouTube with some of that stuff as well, right? Definitely. Nice. Absolutely. I got some the, fun. The beautiful game of PLO, I hope. Well, maybe some PLO, some Hold'em too. I got, I got, I've been, uh, been, I've been learning Hold'em again as well, but definitely, All definitely right. Potman Omaha as well. Yeah. I got a lot of Potman Omaha content that I, that I want to make still. Yeah. I guess you got the bug for Hold'em from the commentary gig. Definitely. Absolutely. Plus hanging out with Landon, I just... Yeah, it's real easy to get get excited about about holding. It's just, mm. it's fun to learn. Like it's easy to learn. Just take some time. I mean, if I spend five hours a day learning with what's available now, I mean, I've only spent an hour in one month. I feel like I could already hold my own playing like a, a one two zoom pool on ACR. Mm -hmm. So now I don't think those are toughest games, but I also think there's a lot of good players in those games too. So it's like you know, if I can do this already, like what's going to happen in five months. So it's more long-term. It's like, I'm going to do this for one year and I'm going to see what happens. So one year, hour in a day. And um, I mean, there's only so much you can study, dude, right? Like you can, you start pre-flop, goes to the flop, goes to the turn, goes to the river. You got single raise pots, you got three bit pots, you got four bit pots. You got multi-lay pots. Like, you know, once you sort of study big blind versus cutoff and you get an understanding of what big blind and cutoff are doing in a lot of spots, well, where do you go from there, right? Like you go to turns, you go to rivers, you get your flop strategy down pretty strong. Flop decisions kind of go either way. A lot of these boards, it seems like. Then it goes down to turn and river. You just grind the shit out of turn and river. Grind three bet pots hard. Grind single race pots later straights hard. And then once you understand that at a pretty decent level, like you can't lose to bad players. Like they're going to get lucky on you. have to suck out on you, but you're going to be making some pretty overall winning decisions oftentimes against them. Mm -hmm. So when you can kind of think about the game like that, you can break it down with learning process like that. And then understand what is good, what is bad, and then put the volume in. Like that's the recipe for winning in most player pools. So, assuming you have the mindset down already, because you obviously need to understand how the game of poker works and losses happen and all these kind of things like that. So that's why I think learning Nolan and Holdem again now is will be, you know, it'll have growing pains, but it'll be pretty easy and straightforward. Yeah, no, it's going to be awesome to watch your journey there because. Uh... You know, you have all the other skills already down, right? Just dealing with variance, just being a poker player, which is a thing. Right. You need to know what you're doing. You need to deal with the things the right way. You need to focus your mind. You need to know when to quit. You need to know to recognize when you're too tired to make good decisions, et cetera, et cetera. When, when to take a break. All these things take time to learn. Right. 
I mean, obviously some people are just natural, just, just, just jump in and, uh, you know, but it still takes a lot of time to figure shit out. Yeah. Joey, you know what? I want to ask you a couple of questions about yourself. Cause we've been talking about, uh, business and, uh, you know, dissing the sites and, uh, kind of cherishing our hopes for the future of the industry and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the good outlook, the bad things, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm interested about you because mm-hmm. you are, sounds like, once again, planning a lot of things, right? You're going to play poker. You're going to learn a new game. You're going to create content for that. You're planning, you have multitude of other ideas which you want to bring out to the poker world. Mm-hmm. And I... We can very much relate to that because, you know, I sometimes look at my day and the things that I want to do and the things that I aspire to do and the things I'm actually doing, I'm like, Jesus Christ. You know, at some point after, you know, and it's so bad as well because like on my podcast, I oftentimes talk about the importance of taking time off, the importance of having a balance. And I totally do have a balance and time off from poker, but I feel that time off yeah, with, with all the other commitments. So eventually I end up like, I caught myself somewhat recently, like, did I just work for 20 days in a row, no break, mm-hmm. um, five days a week, it's being like 14 hour days. And then, you know, a, occasional like six hour Sunday. Eventually you just end up in a place where you just, you know what, I just want to read a book somewhere quiet we're not like I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to hear anybody. I don't want to do anything. I just want to read a book, but I can't even do that because I'm too tired. So I'm just yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Are you on the path there, or how are you gonna figure this out? Yeah, it's a good good question, right? I mean, I think that's where the structure and the organization and the process comes in. Is that that's what I'm trying to build right now? Is just a framework that I can I can utilize for the creation process and for the the other parts of what a what my life would be, right? You have people like you need to you need to drink water, right? So you have to the liquid you take in matters. The food you take in matters. The movement you do with your body matters. So if you can develop good systems for that and you keep it simple, you drink water, you eat the same kind of foods repetitively, you get your movement in each morning, you get your movement in throughout the day, you spend an hour or two or three a day learning whatever it is that you're primarily working on, then I do feel like you can kind of hit those main points. You can hit the mind, hit the body, hit the soul. You make sure that you're, you are spending time away from your phone. You are getting time alone. You are getting time off as well too. But yeah, I mean, that's going to be a challenge, right? The idea of taking time off is something that you need to be planned for. You need to be planned out. You need to have things lined up, especially in in the business world. You got to have things. It's not like poker. You take a week off. You got to have things lined up for content. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's just one, once again, planning and preparation. So that's, that's what I plan to do is just get better at the planning, get better at the preparation, better at organizing, better at tracking these things, like a hold a manager for your life sort of thing. You know, yeah. without hold manager, I don't know if I'd have been better at poker. I might've not been good at poker without at all without hold manager. So it's like, you have to utilize technology and tools that are available to you in order to help you. And if they don't exist, you got to build those things for yourself as tracking tools. So I think that goes to show you just how much tracking tools matter is that, yeah, well, you're not tracking your days, then who knows what the fuck you're doing. You don't remember what you're doing. You need, you need a system to take all this information in and then be able to sort it out and then be able to implement it from the data that you put out. And hmm. 
I mean, that's essentially what these, these programs do, right? They have these algorithms and machine learning and data and they take the data in and then they create better content based off the data. So you need to create better content for your life based off the data you take in, in terms of what your goals are. So I think to be able to handle that, you need to be mindful and diligent and have people in your life hold you accountable and help people to help you and remind you as well too. So that's why building that infrastructure is important and building that system and that team is important. And I think that takes time and, and that's sort of the stage I'm in. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going through, through the same fucking struggle of trying to like not just do things for doing sake, right? Yeah, right. And um, so I want to, like, there's two things I want to ask you. But first one, so you said your ex had like a lot of objections to, like, she didn't like specific things that you're doing. And um, there's always some grain of truth in there. Um, what were her, some, some of the bigger objections against what you're doing professionally? Well, maybe she had objections to me talking about it with her so much, right? Like wanting to discuss it with her. Focusing on the negatives, focusing on Mike Possible, focusing on how shitty some companies are and some some of the, some of the strategies are and the, the legality and all that kind of stuff. So I think that was mainly what she maybe had issues with. And um, I guess they just want me to focus on maybe different stories that I wasn't really interested in focusing on at the time. So she grew to like it and I would maybe voice my concerns about things. And, um, and uh, yeah, I think she just kind of didn't necessarily like that. And plus like the process I use, it really stressed me out. It didn't make me always happy. And I think she saw that and she was like, well, why are you doing this? It doesn't make you very happy. Like if you're super stressed out about it, then you should do something else. Mm. So, you know what I mean? I guess that was sort of what happened. I guess, you know, I was just like, yeah, it's a good point. Right. I can't argue with that. So I think when she, uh, and she would say that. I was like, yeah, well, let me really rethink this. And that's why I needed to take a lot of time off. I just needed to disconnect from poker from my entire workflow, study business, study operations, study how the world works a little bit more, try out some ideas, start hanging around different people who were more involved in business. Like I have a couple of friends who work in corporations. They're founders of companies. Like they make it sound so much fun. And I'm like, oh, well, I, let me, why don't I just do that? That's why mm -hmm. I started studying all things investing, public markets, private markets, uh, those type of things. Plus, you know, my girlfriend or ex-girlfriend was interested in that kind of stuff with, uh, she's in finance, she got a finance degree. She's studying options and crypto trading and currency trading or asset trading basically. So, you know, a lot of my friends got into asset trading as well. They're very successful in there. So it's hard not to find the appeal in asset trading when you start to understand how rigged the game is in some ways. So you're mm -hmm. like, well, I mean, if you can understand trends and you can understand where, where things are going, like if you were on Moderna, when they had their stock, it went up like 30X, 20X, whatever the hell it went up this year from the beginning of the year, right? Well, you 10X your money and you put you 10X whatever it is. And that, that type of information is out there in every industry. If you're smart, you understand trends, you understand how governments award contracts to people and you understand how things are connected and how board members each thing matters. And once you start understanding how much investors matter to corporations in the early stage series A and series B, then you start to see potential exit patterns and growth roadmaps for companies that you can also study. And then you can find value in all these things. You can identify them at very low prices early on. So when I started learning this, I was like, wow, this is completely fascinating. Right. And, um, 
I was like, well, the upside is unlimited here. It's just about how much capital you have. So I was like, well, how do you, you know, whatever the capital, what are the resources I have? You know, I have the attention, I have the network, I have some fiat, I have some assets like, well, you need to create more earned income and then you need to invest that earned income properly to generate returns. It doesn't lose money in the fiat system. And I say, okay, well, what, what is some ways you can necessarily do those things by also creating value and not sacrificing what you believe in and not wanting to, you know, do things that you're not going to be happy with. And so her bringing that up really made me rethink what I'm doing. And my first default option, of course, is to go do poker because it's like what I love. I'm a part of it. And, you know, I think that um, it's important, but, and that's really the stage I'm in now is I'm trying that out. I'm giving it six months, one year, two years, going to try to be healthy. I'm going to try to thrive in life, get in the best shape I've ever been in. It's not too hard to do, have my relationships be great and uh, just put effort in, right? Whether they're great or not, you know, I assume if I put effort, they'll be good, but mm. of course you never know. So that right. was sort of born off of her, her thing she pointed out, right? Of, of what it did make me. You're right, it did make me these things, but. Right. It really sounds to me like you really enjoy learning. Because you've been talking yes. about, I'm learning this, I'm learning that, I'm so excited about that, I'm so excited about Hold'em, I'm going to learn this. Right? Oh, yeah. It, it really seems like this is the most enjoyable part of, of what do you do. Yeah, that's my, that's my main idea. My best idea I have is like a learning brand, basically, where I just like learn shit and mm -hmm. I document the process. It's like a vlog for learning. It's like my learning vlog. And... Right. I can learn anything, learn about Bitcoin, learn about what happened, how it's happened with politics. Basically, it's an idea that scales any direction. And then if you find a niche that you really like, you can go wide, you can go narrow, you could cover trending topics, you could cover narrow topics, like you can kind of go any direction with it. And then you can also build a, an umbrella brand that might filter off into more specific sections like a poker or like crypto or like wherever if you find success with that. So mm -hmm. that has definitely been the main thing. That's what I realized is like, I definitely love learning. Like that's mm -hmm. what I love the most. You're right. Like that's. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's, definitely. this does sound like, well, first of all, definitely you love it so much and you definitely should be doing a lot of that. Like, uh, not just a matter of figuring out what the hell that looks like, what yeah. the format is or how that, how that might appear. That's what I'm working on right now. And, and I think that's what I'm building towards is just getting comfortable, making content again, editing in the place that I'm comfortable with. And then really, really exploring some of these ideas right like breaking down brands company strategies markets mm. opportunities how to all those kind of things like that all right because you know it's sort of like a tim ferris story a bit where where he was into well he wrote you know tim ferris right off of mm -hmm. of him at least right so mm -hmm. i mean he wrote his uh four-hour work week and then eventually he ended up being like this sort of learning self-help guru not self-help but you know he wrote the four-hour chef or whatever of like trying to learn figure things out experimenting on his himself and trying to learn new skills and document the way and uh, share the shortcuts to learning those skills um and there's by the way a fantastic interview with him out there recently uh, by guy raz from mm -hmm. the how it's built podcast mm -hmm. it's just really 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 good interview i think you might actually enjoyed because it, it will resonate with um, some of the things that you're currently working on and, and trying to figure out. And um, there was an interesting part with it where Tim Ferriss was saying that, you know, at some point where after 
creating his four-hour um, week, um, four-hour work week um, book, he ended up just working all the time, just speaking engagements, this, that, 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 you know, and it's just like insane amount of work and just completely sunk into that. At some point, he had to make a decision of, you know what? I have to stop doing all that. Otherwise, I'm just going to be always known as the four-hour workweek guy. And that's right. it. And just, you know, just chewing on the same old gum the whole fucking mm. time. Just, yeah. You know, just speaking the same things and repeating yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what you're looking into of just trying to learn things, explore new things, it's just, it's always fresh because you're always experimenting with something new. And I mean, sure, maybe you're going to stumble on something that you absolutely love and you're going to stick with it for a while. But um, it does sound like a great idea. Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of the the same thing I've been thinking about too. Is like, it's a it's an idea I can I can scale that. It's an idea I can scale that I can do anything right. Like I'm not tied to poker. I'm just literally talking about things, learning things, like researching. And I I think I'd I I'd, I'd kind of want to be like a researcher for someone. You know, find right. like a really uh, successful person who does something that requires knowledge and just research for them and just bring back what I researched for them and add value that way. So that's one path that I see with learning, right? Cause you sort of think like, okay, well, do I want to, what's like the way that you make money from learning things? And, and mm -hmm. that comes from the same thing. You get the attention and then you create products and services. What if you already have the products and services in mind before you create the roadmap? So that's basically what I've been creating. I've had like you know, let's say like 15 to 20 sort of like points that you can create that you have along the lines of uh, products you could offer services, collaborations, whatever with that brand or with, um, you know, just my services in general. And uh, yeah, I mean, this year, I think it's going to be a real massive year, man. I really think this year is going to be strong and that's even without investors. So if I decide I want to take on investors, then, then uh, I'll be able to it kind of changes the way you can think about ideas. You know, you think about a learning brand and you're sharing your learning, but what does that lead to at some point in time? So mm. it's nice to have a path, but also maybe you don't need a path. Maybe, maybe you don't, maybe you can go without a path to do it. Right. I'm not sure. So, I mean, it sounds awesome. But the other question I wanted to ask you was, um, so how does Happy Joey look like? Paint me a picture. Like, what what does it take? Mm -hmm. What does it mean for you that you know I'm happy? Ah, oh, man, yeah, it's a good question. Probably just uh, being grateful, right? Being grateful to be where you're at with people that you're with, the life that you have, being outside in the sun, smiling off the phone, not thinking about what what, not thinking about anything really. You know what I mean? Just kind of being present in the moment, not stressed out about the past, not anxious, anxious about the future just kind of being there. I think that that's what I found really makes me happy. Just kind of being at the park and playing tennis and talking on the phone to people, having conversations with people really makes me happy. Follow the podcast well, makes it easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the good news is you have those things already. So I think it's important not to forget it, right? Cause exactly. on your path now with, uh, so many projects in mind and so many things to pursue it's pretty easy to forget that you know you are free to just say fuck it at some point and 
pull the plug if you don't feel like like if it's too much if it's burning you out if it's not what you expected Mm -hmm. it's just such a privilege to be able to just say you know what i don't need this i'm already what i want to be and this whole thing i've been building it but it's not me it's not part of me it's just something i do and that's it so yeah it's just that's just something that's That's the plan if it don't work right it's just like I mean, because really, once you understand business, like business is, and this is like, well, I mean, I was like blown away when I started really learning this stuff. I was like, oh my God, this just makes so much sense, right? Like the, that, like you get your value you bring or whatever you can charge is dependent on what the market perceives your value to be. So to maximize returns on the knowledge that you have, assuming that you want to build a bigger business or you want to work in bigger industries, you got to find people that have money to spend. So once you find, that's why I like the whole private game thing of finding people that have money to bring in the game. I mean, that's how the business works. That's how a lot of business works. You can either build like an authentic relationship. You could try to manipulate them. You can try to exploit them. You can try to steal from them. You can try to, you can try to make them believe like there's so many different ways you can do it. You can try. I try to, when I think about the idea of business, I want to work with people who, who are, we can both provide value to each other, right? There's no like, Hey, and maybe in that monetary poker game they do provide value the one guy gets a fun time he gets to laugh he gets to play with you and in return he gives you a lot of expected value and and that's how you operate your business and he he's spending five percent of his net worth on this game so when i think about that there's just a lot of different ways to structure these things because in the future i think that um you know i think everyone's going to want content made about them i think people are going to want content to show their history, show their life, show their story, a documentary. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of people out there who would pay money to have that process done. So that's just one thing. And then other thing is events. Like there's just, so there's so many different things and trends that I can see in the future that, that um, you can create for that are like unlimited markets. It's just a matter of, it's an unlimited. The entire market is everybody. So mm-hmm. battling in poker is good training for, any, for something else. Like, cause when you go somewhere else, you're going to be like, holy fuck, this is like UFC, right? I did one UFC video the same way I do poker videos and the same exact way I would do a poker video, right? A lot of enthusiasm, show the action, give my insight, show the story. It's the same fucking thing I would do for poker video. And it gets 24 million views. What's the difference? It's just a different genre with bigger market with people that people know around the world. So you can take that same framework, apply it to anything. And, you know, occasionally I do it, right? I whip it out sometimes. Like I know how to do it every, I know how to do it every video, but just like this chance video, right? Like, you know, you do the chance video and he's not as popular top as Conor McGregor. So it's not going to do as well, right? The algorithm's not in place. I've only been doing live streams. I haven't done any videos for five months. The scrubbers fall off. All these, it's all contingent on these other things. So that's how the game works, man. You got to buy into the game. You got to play the game. And uh, I'm not even trying to play the game right now. So once I do decide to try, it's, uh, I think it'll be fun. So I think it'll be fun, man. But I think you need the right team. I don't want to take it all on myself. So I'm trying to get those people around me that I can talk to. You know, even talking with you, I write down like 60 things, right? I got a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of things that you've said and you've, you've talked to me about are like, banger topics right they're banger ideas for something there's something somewhere in there that people would love so and can be applied to any industry like the idea of what do you do after is 
a framework that applies to any creator, any genre, anything. It's a, it, it content that does well any platform, right? It's that easy. It's that framework. You take these frameworks, you take these these applications, and you figure out, okay, well, how can I build that for my industry, and how can I build that for other industries? How can I build that for your brand versus another person's brand? And that's the kind of stuff I like to spend time on. Is just building out frameworks of content ideas, fucking content ideas, man. <laughs> that's why I always say I want to work with like I want to work with the biggest companies in the world at marketing just one time because I want to see what that's like. Like I want to see one of my ideas just go viral worldwide. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I guess it did with UFC video, kind of did, right? Like I, I just think that I could do that for at scale for any, I know it'd just be fun to do like a lot of hype. There was no rush like that. I'll tell you that checking it, your YouTube and you're getting a million views in one day. I was like, holy fuck. Like this is exactly what I envisioned would happen except 20 times more people watched it. So it's always great when you have a vision for something and, and that's a whole nother topic altogether, the idea of a vision. But, but yeah, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to find that passion for the vision to begin with in the first place. And I'm developing that right now, but that just takes some time. What was it like, actually? I mean, 24 million views. Like what, how do you even, like imagine 24 million people. There is no room big enough <laughs> to put 24 million people. It's a fucking city. Yeah. How, how, mean, do you, how do you wrap your mind around it? I mean, especially like, it's crazy to think like some content creators obviously just have this sort of audience. They're just, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, I had Richard Turner on the podcast, the, the magician, right? And he's coming on again. We're going to do a second episode with him because I love the guy. I think he's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And he, he just casually said like, yeah, I entertained about a billion people in my life. Like say what? A, a billion people? Like, like what are you, like, how is that even possible? How do you wrap your mind around it? So yeah. Talk me through it. 24 million people. What? I, I don't even know what's the question here because like I, I can't wrap my mind around it. Yeah, I think it's more of just like, uh, you know, it's just surreal to see. It's just what I thought. I mean, it's basically what I thought. I, I knew that like I have a good style of making content. And, and uh, I, I just felt like, you know, if I bring that same passion and excitement to, to any topic, like people are going to be pretty interested in watching it. It's just a matter of like finding the right topic. And I think with that, it was like sort of validation in some ways and also sad in some ways too, that like you spent all this time on poker content. Like, I think the video before I did that was like, you know, a podcast with someone that got 9,000 views or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I wasn't being consistent. So that's going to matter. Poker's small market. Like, you know, it's just all these different things. And then I did that, I get 24 million views. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then uh, the videos after that, because that video did so well, got a million, a million, a few hundred thousand, right? Like they just dominated. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. But that's also kind of sad because then you go back to poker and, you know, it's the same thing. It's just a way smaller market, smaller views, the kind of content that get poker, that gets views in poker, people watch is just, you know, it's it's hands. They want to see hands. So you need to put the hands in a way that they audience wants to watch obviously that's a vlog format so you know it's not rocket science to make a vlog like you go to the casino you hold your camera you record it you edit it you buy a nice camera you understand nice music you hire a nice editor you do it yourself you play poker you talk about the hands and it's that's it i just built a vlog right that's what a vlog is so Mm. and uh but that's what people like so you got to get people what they want sometimes you got to give them that vlog you can't be giving them 
a bunch of niche shit. You can't be giving them videos on topics that they don't give a fuck about. You know, <laughs> you got to give them things that they want sometimes. So, so that's, uh, yeah, that's the challenge that a creator faces is do you want to give them what they want or do you want to give them something new or do you want to, what do you want to, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? What do you want? How do you want to do it? That's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to, that's what I'm planning right now. What do you want to do? How do you want to do it? I got some ideas. I'm going to see what picks up. I'm going to see what gets momentum. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, the millions part. of views. I mean, it's just, it, it don't, it's just surreal. There's no real, real even way to explain it. It's just like, you can't believe it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And plus the identity crisis with like, what the hell? And it's like, it's not even about my topic. It's not what I usually do. It's just this different industry. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Well, that all together, I mean, yeah, with poker and with playing poker and me still thinking I'm a poker player versus like now I'm like a business person. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just different. And you know what? The When you were talking about the vloggers and a, a couple of things came to mind. Um, it's the way you described it. Super straightforward, right? Simple. Anybody can be a logger. And to be honest, anybody can make one video. Make a pretty right. good one video. But to be a vlogger, you have to deliver day in, day out. You have to be consistent. You have to keep doing it. Uh, at some point, you don't want to do it. It's not always, oh, I'm so excited to go to the casino. I'm so excited to film. I'm so excited to, you know, to do everything. And so first of all, that, you know, there's just the amount of work that goes into these things also makes me think about just how many things we take for granted, right? With, with the content that we consume, with the favorite authors who produce, like you read the, you know, like Michael uh, Malcolm Gladwell comes out with a new book. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get this book because I, I love him. It's great work from him. Um, you know, and this thing and that thing, and it's all for granted. Like, oh, he wrote a new book. Oh, you know, yeah, sure, he has a new video out. Yeah, I like this guy. I like his thoughts. Like, oh, I like that podcast. I like Tim Ferriss. Like, cheers, man. Thank you for doing this, right? And then you think about, like, the amount of work, the amount of sweat that goes into it, which is sort of, you know, for me to consume an hour of somebody's work is probably Mm -hmm. 30 minutes of my time because I'm going to consume it in fast speed while, you know, driving to the shop or something like that, Right. right? And it's sort of beautiful that people still do this thing. And very often, like, I mean, even in the books, like people write books, it's not a huge industry. I mean, sure, if you sell millions of copies, you're going to be doing pretty good. But most books sell like, what, a couple hundred copies. That's it. Right, and you put in like an hour, a year, maybe two years of your life into it, mm-hmm. and then it's all for like, nah, nothing financially. So hopefully you enjoyed the the ride, you know. You hopefully you you did it for the right reasons, <laughs> which is, I yeah. mean, true with everything that we do. Same with poker, right? If if your only goal is to reach specific number in your bank account, like that number, not gonna make you happy. Whatever doesn't matter how big that number is if if that's your only that's if that's the only thing you're there for mm-hmm. it's not a not gonna make a difference yeah and it's a good point right you know you need yeah. to have like being in being in love with the process versus uh 
Yeah, being in love with the process versus being obsessed with the end result, right? Like enjoy, and that's what I'm trying to do now is just enjoy, be creative with the process and enjoy that. Pro the process is the challenge versus like the end goal of where work goes, right? Like, you know, of course, if you play, do anything well, you're going to be rewarded monetarily a lot of times. So I'm just trying to like get the standard framework of money out of my head that we're programmed to believe about money and sort of see it as just like capital and a resource and just like anything else. And you sort of need that resource in order to generate more resources. And if you want to play like a resource game and if you want to not have to stress out about what you're going to do for a living when you're 45 years old versus, you know, like that, what, what are you going to do if you're 50 and like, this is what you do. Like you, you need to be in a good position to be able to, to make a living, have money saved up. And like, I just don't want to have to, worry about that when i get older i don't have to worry about how am i gonna you know i gotta fucking go sell action for a 5k tournament because like i i need i you know what i'm saying so i make a living like i want to be in a position where i can make like you just don't need to do that once you understand how resources work and capital work and assets work like there's really no reason to do that you can be smart with your money you save more than you spend and you pay off your debt and you pay off your pro you don't get in trouble don't get into problems try to avoid that take care of it when it, when it does come up, try to take care of it at least. And then, and then, uh, understand how to, how to invest your money and understand how to, how to build multiple income streams and how to build passive income streams and dividend income streams and, and acquire knowledge to the point where you're an asset to companies where you're able to get equity and develop those networks and relationships. Like, so it's like a, once you kind of see that it's like, well, there's no excuse to not be in a pretty good position when you get older. Mm. So, and especially now with the internet, there's so much opportunity out there for you to make a living in a thousand different ways. And once a new platform develops, multiple businesses develop off of that. YouTube creates YouTube and then there's bloggers, there's training coaches, there's courses, there's all these things that YouTube helps facilitate. So essentially there's always the new next thing that you can build a product around. You could build a service around, you can be first to market, you could be on the platform, you can do all these different things like that. And those things are going to continue to be developed. So mm. you can always find that opportunity out there for yourself. I mean, right now there's Amazon live people stream themselves reviewing items. And <laughs> is this that is a, really a thing I've, I've missed this, that altogether. This is a hundred million dollar industry in China, right? So one thing I like to do is find, businesses that are popping in other countries that don't exist in America and see if they exist in America quite yet. So this is a consumer attainment where people stream themselves doing this. So Amazon got in the mix in 2019. Well, I know one thing about Amazon, they usually do pretty fucking well at things. So I'm looking at that. I'm like, huh, it's basically like, instead of watching poker, you're reviewing a phone and then you can do whatever you want to do. You can be hype. You can be crazy. You can be loud. You can fucking do almost like, wow. I mean, and that's just one thing. Because I talk to people who are like, you know, if you just left poker, like you'd probably do really, like you'd make a lot of money. And I'm like, yeah, I do know that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So if it's about business, like, you know, it's, so it's not really all about just making money. It's about creating something in poker for me. Mm. That's what I find fun and challenging. But also, you know, because people often say, you should do what only you can do. Because if you're one off a thousand, ten thousand, a million people that do the same thing at the same level and the same thing, 
it's I mean, first of all, what's what's the point? And second, what's the ambition, right? And there's nothing wrong to be in a stable job which fulfills you. But if you want to create something, if you want to do something special, you better create something that that only you can do, right? Mm-hmm. And the combination of the things that you have with the, your content making experience, your personality, your passion for things, and your knowledge of poker and the industry and all the people around, that's a combination that pretty much like almost nobody else has with the same level of dedication, with the same level of energy that they bring to the game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm really happy we had this conversation now in De- the beginning of the year. I mean, it, it, it remind me why I like talking to poker players so much. Like, you know, you know, there's only a few people out there that can really understand or empathize with you as a, like the mindset, right? The worldview. It's a very unique worldview to be an entrepreneur, to be a businessman, and to do that in poker, whether you know it or not. Like, yeah, it's a very unique experience. And I think a lot of people are starting to get to that point now where they're sort of saying, like, where do I go from here? You know, do I, there's a lot of training courses, there's a lot of content, there's a lot, there's all these different things, like, where do I take my talents to? And, and there's no one to really lead that way. Like, there's no one that you look at that's like saying, this person did this, I'll do that. So I think it'd be beneficial to be able to find out what those answers are. And, and that's sort of what I've been doing is like, I've been really trying to figure out what, what do you do after poker mm-hmm. for people out there? Like, where do they go? What do they do? So I want to help those people out, man. Like, I mean, I'm, I just like, you know what, man, I go down with the ship, buddy. I know it's real, real intoxicating outside of poker. And like, I know I could, I could fucking do a lot of cool things out there in any industry, but I love poker. These are my people. You know, we'll try to help some people out if we can, man. I'm learning this shit. I'll try to help people out with what I'm learning. Maybe we make the community stronger together. At the least, I help out my friends and I help out people like I'm close to, right? You know, the guys that I'm trying to facilitate, put out good habits out there, drink your water. I'm trying to just, you know, sprinkle these out there in the world to try to maybe improve some quality of life with people. Because I studied a lot what makes people unhappy and unhealthy when they're older. And I'm trying to implement those things now into my life versus when I'm 45 and I say I should have drank more water, I should have stretched more, I should have worked out, I shouldn't have been so stressed out, I should have got outside more. So I did this framework where there was an exercise. I studied what the people regret when they get older. And then I thought about what my optimal day would look like and what would I do with that day and who would I spend it with and what activities would I do if I could do anything in the world. So I sort of built that optimal day based off the framework of what is successful for successful entrepreneurs and then also what makes people happy and trying to combine those two things together. And a lot of the same things talk about sleep, talk about water, talk about getting outside, talk about movement, being active and um, taking care of your body, your mind and your soul and your finances when you're young and you have the most mental energy to be able to do it. So mm. that's what really kicked me into gear was studying that because I could foresee myself being that person when I'm 45 and saying, fuck, why did I squat? Just like I do now, right? Like I, I could have, I would, I could have literally been oh, like a 20 millionaire right now, right? Like if I just understood any of this years ago, because I would have taken all the money I made from poker and I would have been smart with my investing with it, but I just didn't think much about it like that. So now I'm saying, well, I'm not going to make that same mistake again. And uh, 
That's sort of where I'm at with it, man. And then in the mm. process, make some content around it. Run it up. See what happens. Play some high stakes, right? Play poker <laughs> on a mountain. Like, do some crazy shit, dude. You know, like, let's, let's fucking have fun with it a little bit. Let's mix it up. Let's have a good time. Let's bring people along yeah. for the ride and let's see how it develops. You know, it's quite... <laughs> yeah, and it's beautiful. I mean, the, what you're trying to go for is beautiful and it takes courage, you know, because these things really take courage. You're putting yourself out there because you're going to have so much shit flying your way, whether you, you're going to pay attention to it or not. There's going to be like, ah, you're talking about this. You have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what are you talking about drinking water? You d don't know first thing about drinking water, right? Because there's this sort of perception that only people who know something on a super high level and they like dedicated their life to it, they should be talking. Everybody else should be silent. Well, guess what? Nobody's going to be talking, right? So right. To, to, to take the leap and to say, you know what? I'm going to learn things and I'm going to put it out there for people to consume and I make a fool of myself occasionally and it's fine. It's courageous and it's and we need this and we need you to bring the passion mm -hmm. to the to the community because as you said i mean you look at the you know two plus two news uh in the forums and you check the twitter etc it's, it's all doom and gloom very often and we need the positives we need we need somebody to illustrate that you know there's so much potential here and life as a poker player is a, is awesome if you make it that way yeah i agree man that's that's what i definitely plan to do and uh i think that's what a nice break enables you to see i think that's why i see a lot of these poker players that are like devastated man like you just got to take a month off or two and i know that's really hard but that was actually what i thought my competitive advantage was was that i could take time off and i could study like i was like i'm gonna study two and a half years just getting a bunch of fucking knowledge in my mind. And that's going to be my advantage. No one else is going to do that. No one's going to sit outside and be like, okay, how do I learn all this stuff? Mm -hmm. How do I learn each part of a business? And how do I learn different, different segments, different industries and build relationships with people in those industries, find people I like. So I basically have a bunch of people that are doing different things in different parts of the world that eventually those people are going to be running the company. So those are the people I'll work with in five years, 10 years. So that's the thing that's important to remember is like, I'm going to be the one running the company in 10 years, right? People like you that stick around in, the, in, the, in the, any world are going to be the ones who are the people you work with down the road. So developing and maintaining those relationships with people that you respect and you like and you enjoy and you want to be around, I think is absolutely pivotal for success here. So it's not just this year, it's what's going to be there in 10 years and what's going to be successful in 35 years. So that's how I'm building this out is I'm saying, okay, I want to build these things. I want to do things the right way for the next 35 years. So I want to find people who have ambition, who have determination, who are good at what they do, who we speak the same fucking language. And that's what I'm finding right now. It's like, there are a lot of people out there, man. They got people got ambition. Like they don't make you feel bad about being ambitious. You mm -hmm. know, you go some places and they make you feel bad about your ambition or what you want to do or your desire to play the game of business, right? Or just play content game or play a status game or play a wealth game or play poker, whatever it is. Someone's trying to make you feel bad about it. So, so yeah, man, that's just, uh, I'm just developing a lot of different things. I think I'm trying to just set a few roadmaps in place where I have alternative options if something doesn't work out and I'll grind real hard on my main path. And uh, hopefully that works out. I think it'll work out pretty well though. But then we have future partnerships down the road with people that are doing some cool things.
Mm-hmm. Like you said, man, we're early in the stage. We're infants right now, man. We got we got a long time to go here. Yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. Gotta be patient. Listen, I can't wait to see what this year is gonna bring for you and what you're gonna put out there in the world. Um, we're having this early in January. So I'm mm-hmm. really, That's really good. looking uh, well, forward. It's gonna be a fun I ride. On my, I gotta have you on my on my pod too, man. I think people will really enjoy that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, me, me and you chatting, me me asking you the questions. I yeah. Now I know more about you. This is what's great. It's like <laughs> when I do podcasts that people like know, they're usually the best because I know them. So I know what to ask and what to bring out in somebody. Like when I do with Doug, I know what to ask the guy. I know what, where, what he thrives on. I know what he likes talking about. I know, I know how to make him comfortable. I know how to troll him. Right. So it's like once you understand and you have a relationship with someone where you know them a little bit better, I feel like the content's always better. So now I know a little bit more about you, man. I appreciate I appreciate mm-hmm. you you sharing that stuff with me as well. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure like for you, you have a lot of thoughts. You obviously, you know, you love sharing your thoughts and conversating and stuff like that too. So, you know, that's why we love doing conversations and podcasts and talking to like-minded people and talking to interesting people. So yeah. <laughs> they were pretty similar. A lot, of, a lot of these kind of things like that in terms of how we're yeah. thinking and, and deeper level. But you also have that PLO bond. Anyone that played PLO professionally, I, I think I'd, you get along with because like you gotta those guys are I mean, those guys are special people to play peel yeah. over a living man it's like yeah you can't play there was some natural selection down the road i guess there yeah so that's, that's yeah sure. like you you know that's a stressful it's a it's a unique challenge right like you you keep getting aces and you keep getting stacked by some fucking guy right that you know it's just it takes a certain mindset to kind of deal with that for years at a time and millions yeah. of hands so yeah, absolutely. But yeah, man. You kind of you got me you got me excited. You got me real, 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 real excited to do smart podcasts. So I appreciate that greatly. I might need to just oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's great to hear. And that's also so rewarding with the podcast thing. You know, it's like if you ask me, I want more podcasts, please. More people do podcasts, but because like I consume so many podcasts and I I don't care if there's going to be 20, 50, whatever. It's good for everybody. And it's good for me eventually because I'm going to listen to your stuff. You know, you occasionally might listen to my stuff. And the more, the better. And, you know, because not every episode is for everyone, right? And, right. you know, some of the things that we're going to bring out, some people are just going to like, nah, not, not interested. And it's fine. It's absolutely fine, you know, but there's something there for somebody. And as long as we're having fun doing this, it's all that matters. I think it's a really good point, man. That's right. If you're having fun doing them, I think that they just turn out well anyway. Like people enjoy them. Mm. And eventually, like, like at least two people enjoy them, right? Because the two people having the conversation enjoy it, that's already a win, right? And, you know, we're having the conversation. I'm asking you questions. I'm thinking through my own shit and, you know, putting things in place and making my own notes and like, oh, I think this is interesting, et cetera, et cetera, more to explore. Mm. It's just, just awesome. And where else? Are you, are you going to ever sit down with like, because I, I had this idea several times, like I, I would never sit down with my close friends and say, okay, like, listen, let's talk for four hours without alcohol. So let's just yeah. talk. And I'm going to ask you sometimes difficult questions. And I'm going to ask you personal questions. And you're going to be like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> like, what are you doing? I don't want to talk about this. Right. But here we're sort of in, in an agreement, like, yeah, let's just talk. I mean, we're gonna talk for three hours, so be it. Now let's just see where it goes. I um, agree. That's why I always say about pods. It's always very 
it's always very unique, right? It's like you sit down with these uninterrupted conversations where you're focused on your phone, you're not doing anything else. And it's just, it, it's able to create something that, yeah, it's very unique, man. It's, it's special. Yeah. I really, really enjoy it, man. I really enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Well, Joey, thanks so much for coming on. It, it was such a pleasure. So much fun talking to you. You bring so much energy, man. I mean, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's midnight. <laughs> I, I haven't slept for in a long time. I should be really, really tired, but I'm pumped. I'm like, what am I going to do after we finish the conversation? I better that's, look into some a, ideas. This right? is the effect I have, but I, this is why, <laughs> this is why, uh, I don't know, man. I just think I, I get fired up. So that's why I'm still around, still doing things. All right. Well, anyway, thank you. And I'm sure people will enjoy this. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. for the comments and, uh, I hope, I mean, I know that most people who's going to watch this are going to follow your journey this year and um, yeah, see what we do. We'll see where it gets. We'll see where <laughs> it gets you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Check out the description. And of course, I'd highly appreciate if you subscribe, click like, spread the word about the podcast. Also, if you'd like to receive a regular newsletter with my key takeaways about each episode, go ahead and subscribe to it on runchexpodcast.com. That's R-U-N-C-H-U-K-S podcast.com. I write those myself. I take it seriously and I really enjoy the interaction with the readers. So I hope you'll sign up uh, and I'll be back for you next time. Thank you.